Hi, I'm Patrick John Fluger, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. gonna be all sunshine and roses but i can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride hey there shyhards welcome to episode 222 uh we're recapping the episodes that you just watched so you just finished pd you're probably all up in your birds it feels it's cool we are too yeah Definitely. Yeah, so it's good. So yeah, we're recapping the episodes you just watched. So 720, 1020, 920, usual. Uh, yeah, so we don't have any news today because obviously we're recording early. We're way back in the past. You guys are in Wednesday. We are in Sunday. So <laughs> yeah, who knows what has happened in the world since then. But yes, we are way back in the past. Um, no news, but we did decide to take this little moment, this five minutes before we jump into med, just do a little Marvel roundup because we like Marvel and we can. And I also just came right back from Doctor Strange. I'm fresh yes. out of the theater. So um, we haven't talked about it yet. So we're, we, we figured we'd save it and talk a little Marvel. So yeah, it was good. It was good. I, we were just, we were literally the only thing we said before and before we said save it for the pod was it's good. I mean, by movie standards in general, it's a good movie. By Marvel standards, it's okay yeah it's, it's okay like I didn't leave the theater theater feeling like oh my god that's the best movie I've ever seen like I did Spider-Man and you know Black I mean like a bunch of other Marvel movies but like it was it was good it was good my biggest takeaway from that whole movie is that it, it breaks my heart that this universe's Wanda could not bear the idea of not being with her boys like she couldn't bear it and she just had to sacrifice herself like that breaks my heart that this version of Wanda had to she felt that she had to sacrifice herself because she wasn't with her boys and there was no life without that yeah so okay so if we're talking about Wanda I know the biggest complaint about the movie has been obviously the way they wrote Wanda's story and the fact that basically I think a lot of people thought we were going to get some kind of like hero redemption arc by the end of it and instead we got like basically a villain origin story yeah and so, like, I'm curious, like, what are your thoughts? Did it bother you? Did I mean, like, I, what are your thoughts on it? It felt a little anticlimactic, honestly. Um, I was also really surprised there was no vision in this movie. Like, no mention of Iz at all. And so I was hoping that, you know, I, I was hoping there was going to be a bigger payoff from WandaVision. Um, that, you know, she was going to get her happy ending with Vision and the boys. So... Yeah, and I, I had fully embraced her as the villain towards the end of the movie. And then I had to kind of stop myself and be like, wait a second, this is Wanda. Like, yeah, this is Wanda. She's not a bad person. Like, it, yeah. yeah, so it, it felt a little anticlimactic. I feel like they did the character a little bit dirty. Yeah, But I'm also, sure. other Marvel deaths, if this is a Marvel death, other ones have shaken me more. This one didn't really phase me. I was just kind of like, oh, poor Wanda. Okay. Yeah. So two thoughts. One, I guess I was kind of surprised because I definitely thought she was going to be bad for like probably the beginning of the movie like that based on the way WandaVision ended like that didn't surprise me. I guess I thought at some point like everyone else she would get some kind of hero redemption arc and I guess she did a tiny 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 bit by the end because she decides you know that like you know, she's not going to be this bad person anymore and she's going to get rid of the book and whatever and destroy it and all that stuff. But on your second point about, do you, so you think that's it? You think that was Wanda dying and like, we're never going to see her again? 
I mean, there are Wanda's in other universes, but I, I don't think we'll see this Wanda. I don't know. And now I was having a conversation with one of our friends last night. I mean, like, I don't know, like, are we going to see what well, was that Wanda dying? Was it not Wanda? Dying? I think they kind of leave that a little open-ended, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. And I was, I was also really surprised that, you know, Strange was just like, I'm just going to handle Wanda myself. Granted, there's really not many other Avengers to choose from at this point, but <laughs> yeah, you know, I, he was just kind of like, I got this. Don't worry. Uh, yeah, I, it just kind of, yeah, it felt a little just, there, there was something left to be desired with Wanda's arc, for sure. Um, I also didn't like how, and maybe this is my own fault from WandaVision, but I never made the distinction that like Scarlet Witch was supposed to be like an evil version of her. It was always, oh, yeah. it was more, what I gathered from WandaVision was that was more so her like coming into her power and embracing it and owning it. I didn't really... I never really came into the fact that it was supposed to be two distinct versions of her. Yeah. I mean, I guess just from the way it ended and I granted, I don't know that much about like the backstory of Scarlet Witch. So like, you know, I, I don't know, but I just, I always just kind of assumed that like it was supposed to be more of an evil version. And like I said, I figured the beginning part would definitely of the movie would for sure, like she was going to do something bad. Like I kind of just figured that mm -hmm. again, I figured she'd get some sort of hero redemption and she and strange would then fight side by side on whatever else was happening. Yeah. But then I, like I said, I, I don't know. I, it just, that was not what happened. Mm -hmm. um, but I did like other parts of the movie. I did. I, and I don't know anything else about her and how her character fits in for future stuff, but I liked America. I thought she was America Chavez. I thought, I thought it was fine um I mean I liked the um now I can't remember her name oh the strange and Christine stuff I thought that was I like that like it was it was a fine movie yeah. by Marvel standards it was not great but by other movie standards it was really good yeah yeah we'll go with that we'll go with that what did you think of some of the cameos I thought they were fun like um, I didn't really know what to expect but I thought it was really fun can we please have a Disney plus Captain Carter series uh yeah that would be amazing please please yeah. um For that sure. would be amazing i saw an interview with benedict wong the other day uh, on i think tiktok or somewhere and he had mentioned that like he would love to see a series with uh wong and ned just kind of like saw that about too. his powers and everything i'm like oh my god give it to me please that would be amazing yeah no i thought the cameos were good like i said i thought it was like a good i mean a, oh a, by marvel standards it was good I didn't necessarily care. I didn't realize it was also going to be that dark. I mean, I know Sam Raimi is definitely known more for his like horror stuff, the guy who directed it, mm -hmm. but like still, I didn't really think it was going to be that dark or darker, I'd say for a Marvel movie, but it was good. Like I said, it was good. At a certain point, it kind of felt like they were going into other shows and other movies. Like when Strange possesses like zombie Strange, I was like, uh -huh. okay, now it's The Walking Dead. Like, what are we doing? And then they go into that other universe where reality is like collapsing on itself. And I was like, they just walk into Inception. What are we doing? Like, where are we going? I don't know what's happening right now. So it was good. Yeah, it was just, it, it was good. It wasn't like, like Eternals was bad. Eternals was like, I hated this movie. Doctor Strange was just like, good. Good. Yeah. I mean, even that, but even then, like I was, I mean, I was excited for Dr. Strange, but I've always been way, way, way more excited ever since it was announced for Love and Thunder. So I am so excited for Love and Thunder. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be so good.
I also felt like the credit scene felt like left a little to be desired because like the credit scene is supposed to be like earth shattering giant revelation, right? Yeah. That was very meh. Like, okay, yeah, Charlie Theron's here. Yeah, well, and then the second one, like especially like if they had done them in reverse, like the second one, you know, because everyone you stay for the entire credits, and then the second one was just the guy like, like finally away. stopping like slap, and I was like, really, like you wasted a credit scene on that, like really? I stayed all the way through the credits for that, really. Yeah. I was like, wah, wah. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. We shall see. Um, yeah, my, my friend Matt, I go with him to see all the Marvel movies because it's the only way I, like, process things. I have to talk through him with him after. But, like, the the way they really opened the universe with the Illuminati was pretty cool. How, like, you got John Krasinski yeah. now in the Fantastic Four, uh, Dr. Xavier from X-Men. Like, that was cool. I was like, all right, all right. I'm 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 listening. Tell me more. So, that was cool. Yeah, for sure. No, I like, I, yeah, I really liked that. Um, like I said, I, th- I thought it was, it was good. We'll just leave. Yeah. What is next on the Marvel calendar anyway? Is it Miss Marvel? Mm, I think Love and Thunder is next. What's it? Love and Thunder is like early July. Marvel calendar 2022. Let's see. Let's see Where's Miss Marvel before then? Yeah, this has Love and Thunder as the next one up in July. Black Although, Panther. no, this says, what I'm reading, this says Miss Marvel comes out June 8th, but, like, doesn't. And then, th- okay, this also says She-Hulk is mid-2022. Yeah, I know She-Hulk's this year, which, like, thank God. I need more Josh Hagar in my life. Um, Yes, please. I like how it's we're bad. not even excited about She-Hulk herself. We're just like, no, Josh Hagar, give us. I mean, I am, but, like, Josh, ever since Josh Hagar went off instagram a while ago i'm just like i need more josh sakara yeah yep but yeah that's your marvel roundup for the day we're gonna put timestamps in the notes because if we yes there will be obviously a big spoiler warning in the description too we would hate to spoil the movie for you guys within like the first minute of listening. Um, I got spoiled on the John Krasinski bit last night on Twitter. I was like, I fell for it too. I get on Twitter and I'm like, why is John Krasinski trending? Click. I was like, oh, damn it. Like, yeah, I just, I'm not as bad. When Bridgerton aired, I like had muted everything. Like I muted all the things. I'm not that bad with Marvel, but that's also part of the reason why I like to, if I can go the first night or first, you know, whatever, because I definitely don't want to be spoiled yeah yeah and I I would have if I could have but yeah yeah like I said if I can I try to but like I did some I mean like I also just try to stay away for I don't click on any reviews that come out beforehand it's how like I didn't get the Harry Styles Eternals like cameo last year spoiled for me because I just I don't click on anything for like the week once I see the reviews are out I just don't click by the way, speaking of Harry Styles, did you see any of the previews going into the movie? Yes. That one with him and Florence Pugh looks good. We didn't get that one. It's uh, it's called Don't Worry, Darling. It's the Olivia yeah, Wilde one. No, yeah, I've seen. I haven't seen the trailer, but I know what I know what the I've heard of the movie, but we didn't get that one ahead of the movie. That looks really good. Yeah. As I pop chocolate in my mouth while I'm recording a podcast. No big deal. Um, it's fine. Yeah. The other thing I'm really glad didn't come true was the whole rumor about Tom Cruise popping up as like a, a different universe, Tony Stark. Yeah. Yeah. Especially not that movie. And it would not have worked in that movie. 
I, I definitely like I think Iron Man will always be Robert Downey Jr. to me, but like I can handle other actors. I can maybe handle other actors playing Iron Man. But well, and I think it'd be good. different. I think it'd be different. Like if you said you had someone who's not as known or a lesser known actor play like a multiverse Iron Man. Okay, fine. I got it. But like when you have Tom Cruise, like I would just be looking, I'd be like, no, that's Tom Cruise. It's not Iron Man. It's not even that someone else is playing Iron Man that would bother me personally. I'd just be like, Tom Cruise, really? Yeah. Like, really? Yeah. Like I said, if you picked like some no-name actor off the street and had him play like a multiverse Iron Man, cool. Doesn't bother. I mean, I get it. Fine. Cool. But like Tom Cruise. No. <laughs> no. No. That's yeah. like that that's like in did you saw live action Lion King, right? No, I didn't. Why yeah. would I see that? Okay. Why would I see that? <laughs> I, I think I saw it in the theater just because like I really wanted to, but that was like, I, I feel like they made a mistake in casting Beyonce as Nala because it was not Simba and Nala. It was Simba and Beyonce. Right. So like, yeah, yeah it, it's kind of like that. So I see what you're saying. Yep. Yeah. That's been your Marvel roundup for today. <laughs> um, yeah. So good stuff. I still haven't finished the last episode of Moon Knight. So we got to hang on on a I still haven't finished like the last three, so it's fine. Rena, I know. I, I never just, catch up and pass you. Like never. I know. We've just been so busy with like house projects and you'd be so proud of me. I've been doing, well, not gardening, like you've been gardening, but like I've been planting flowers. I've been, we've been <gasps> redoing some of our like flower beds and stuff. So like, I've just been not by my TV. Like, I'm so you know. proud of you. I know. Like I said, different kind of gardening. I still got a lot more to do, but that's fine. Yeah. Oh, I'm totally proud of you. I think the birds or something ate my sunflowers. So like they just kind of like stopped growing. So I'm a little bummed about that, but we have other flowers that are doing really well. I I know. know. If you follow me on Instagram, you always see the progress of my garden because I, I like updating. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just worried because like we live in kind of basically the middle of the woods. So like we have deer all the time and I'm just like, I'm sure the deer are going to eat my, like, I'm sure it's going to happen. So like, we'll see how long it lasts. But I think we have, we usually have bunnies that come to the yard and I think they they're eating our strawberries, like for sure. I know. I don't know. It's just, I don't know. The fun of it for me is just like watching things grow and change. Yeah. So yeah. Welcome to gardening talk at Molly's. Um, (laughs) Anyway. All right. Let's get into the episode. Shall we? Let's do this. Let's do it. This was a good week. I feel like, I feel like we were so close to like a perfect one Chicago Wednesday and five minutes of one of the shows just ruined it. I know which one you're talking about. For me, I definitely think these were, we. I mean, this obviously sets up for, well, except for maybe PD. Like mm-hmm. this definitely for Med and Fire though. I mean, it sets up the last two episodes. Like it was basically like, not as, I mean, Med I thought was their best one in the last couple of weeks. Fires was like, okay, but it was more to set up the, penultimate and the finale more than anything so it had a job to do and it did it that job it's just it was it was fine yeah yeah so uh this episode of med I think this is one of the best of the season because this was one like a lot was happening but every single twist and turn you were like oh 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 I didn't see that coming whoa like I thought it was a very strong episode well and even Ethan's little boneheaded move I mean like it wasn't like oh my god I can't believe he did that that's so stupid what are you doing I'm like I saw it coming he he clearly regrets it which we'll get into all of that in a second but like nobody did anything that was like really just like make me want to pull my hair out dumb yeah 
like nobody. And I was like, wait, what is yeah. this med? Am I watching, am I watching the same show? Maybe it's med in the multiverse. It's a different universe med. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's get started. And of course we're going to start off with Will and Hannah. They got the first scene. This is usually how we outline. This is how this works. Okay. Yeah. So Hannah and Maggie had this other little like sub thing going on. I didn't really put it in the outline, but we can kind of not- work it in here. But it's also not that important. Like you go and you're like, okay, like it literally, I mean, we can mention it at some point, but like, it's not really that important. It's not that important, but I also feel like we do need to appreciate it because how many weeks are we just like, I just want one story where like nothing earth shattering happens and it's run of the mill and it ends happy. And like, we That's got true. that. Let's That's take true. that W because. True. Yeah, that was big. Okay. So we start off. And Will and Hannah are making small talk at the coffee cart. We have come such a long way. This is not awkward. This is not forced. This is kind of cute. A little teeny, teeny awkward, but like nothing that like you can't look past. And get not over. too bad. No, yeah. not For too their bad. standards, nothing bad. No, no. And even Hannah acknowledges that she's like, look at us making small talk. And Will's just like, we can talk about work. Uh, and then they go on to talk about some guy who had a Lego pulled from his nose who was like my age, like, in his mid thirties. That was cute. And then because, you know, non-awkward small talk is not earth shattering enough. Matt Cooper's back. What? I did not see that coming at all. And especially, I think it's important for you guys to know that like when we get screeners, they don't have like the text and stuff at the bottom. So like, it's not ruined by like guest star, you know, starring this or guest starring this. So, I mean, granted, it probably wouldn't have shown up by this point in the episode anyway, because this is like the first scene, mm-hmm. but still like we have no idea. So it happened and we're like, wait, what? I was like, yeah. huh? Yeah, literally. I'm like two seconds into this episode and he shows up and I'm like, oh, snap. <laughs> yeah. So we got our wish with this. Okay. So we didn't just up and forget about the Vascom deal. The case is going to court y'all. I, I, I was a little, I guess I was a little annoyed that nobody's, I mean, since Will got the settlement, how many episodes would that go? Like four or five episodes ago, whatever mm-hmm. it was. I wish we had gotten like one more mention of like, oh, they're going to sue, like we're going to go to court or whatever. Like they could have mentioned like one time, but this, this was a good twist. I did not see that coming. It's going to court. It is going to court. This is going to be so juicy. Like Oh, this trial is going to be amazing. Well, and it makes so much more sense. There were promo photos that came out for 20 and 21. But of course, when they came out, we had no context. So we saw the one of Will talking to Vascom girl. And we were like, why is she back? That makes no sense. Like, whatever. And now I'm like, oh, shit. Uh, mm, It's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. So good. So yeah, the case is going to court, whatever they're talking. Okay, listen, just, just let me, let me insert this little bit of lawyer knowledge here. Okay. Obviously Will is repped by the hospital. He's got an attorney, presumably Matt Cooper's got an attorney too. The laws of professional responsibility in my state, at least, I don't know about Illinois, but I'm pretty sure it's the same. They cannot talk to each other. They cannot talk to each other under any circumstances because they're both repped. So. Of course. I mean, but. Cooper, of course, is going to like, you know, try to intimidate Will and, you know, play that card. So like, it doesn't surprise me, even if it's illegal that he's trying to, you know, talk to Will. Yeah. Um, Just a little, I was just like, hey, hey, that's not cool. Uh, It was also interesting how like Hannah and Matt met and then how like Matt's first intro, he was like, oh, the infamous Dr. Asher. Infamous? Hold your role, sir. How do you know who she is? 
Yeah, I, I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess we could presume that he had been at med for a little bit. Like, he could have theoretically been at med while she was there. And we just never obviously would have seen him. I could see him being, like, secretly obsessed with Will and just, like, stalking his social media and being like, that's how he found Hannah. Yeah. My favorite, though, was, like, once he leaves and Hannah and Will are still, you know, get waiting for their coffee or whatever, and she's just like, what a dick. I was just like, oh, well, I love yeah. her. 100%, 100%. So later on, Will and Goodwin and Arthur are prepping for trial, and poor Will, like, he hates this so much, and he's making it so obvious. I feel like anytime a doctor says, I have to get back to my patients, that's doctor for, like, I'm over this shit. Yeah. And I mean, this isn't Will's fault, of course, but he's not, he's not a good witness or whatever you would call it. He's not good at all. Poor guy. He's going to, I'm, I hope we get to see Will actually on the stand. I want to see it so bad. I'm like so excited. Why am I excited? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And oh God, there's a point where like, you know, he's like answering the questions and Arthur's like, well, now you just told them this. And Will's like, you're twisting my words. Hi, Will. Do you know what lawyers do for a living? Yeah, well, and that's what Arthur says. He's like, and that's exactly what's going to happen. Yada, yada, you know, whatever. Yeah. Lawyers are dicks, y'all. Don't and be I a lawyer. One. Yeah. Yeah. Lawyers are dicks. That's why I don't, I don't, I don't play well with other lawyers. Just, they're not nice. Okay. So he's just like telling Arthur, he's like, this is bullshit. Like if I say the wrong thing, the whole case is going to blow up. Everything was for nothing. Because, yeah. I mean, yeah, think about it. Like, the whole first half of the season, he put his ass on the line for Goodwin. And now he's going to get on the stand. And if he says the wrong thing, all of it will have been a complete waste. That's a lot oh, of pressure. I'm just, I'm just so glad that, like you said, I just keep thinking about it. I'm like, I'm so glad we are revisiting this, though. Like, like you said, we just spent, I mean, we spent the first nine episodes for sure. I mean, 10, 11. I don't even remember how many after, you know, we came back um, at midseason. But still, we spent so much time with him. Like he said, Will, it could all be through nothing if Will fucks it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, of course, Arthur, just like on the way out, Arthur's like, well, look on the bright side. You got an apartment building out of it. And Will's face, like, yeah. he He's really defensive about it, which like, I think he should be. I mean, I think he's earned the right to be pretty defensive whenever somebody's like, well, you got all this money out of it. That's not why he did it. Right. But I mean... I guess to them, though, I mean, I think Arthur probably knows, but to some other random person, like, they might not know that. I mean, yeah. you know, Will can say it as much as he wants, but, like, nobody really knows except for, like, Goodwin, really. Yep. Will and Goodwin. That, like, that's not why he did it. Yep. Yep. The, I mean, the the way the Goodwin and Will relationship has changed this season is, like, mind-blowing. Yeah, it, like, started up top, and then it went down for a while, and then I, it's back now, you know, towards the top, but yeah. Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. So then Doris comes up later and Doris is like, hey, heard about your new apartment building. And Will's just like, it's not ready yet. (gasps) She's like, I've got a tenant for you. And he's like, no. (laughs) So she's like, oh, oh, you already have the info, though. It's Hannah. And Will immediately is like, no, no, like not appropriate. And Doris goes full Doris. And she's just like, "Okay, I'll send you the info. Bye. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, we'll talk about my finder's fee. I'm like, that's not how and Will's calling her name and she's just ignoring him Will's like Doris Doris and she's just walking so I guess Hannah's just been living at a hotel this whole time I don't know she came back to Chicago without a place lined up 
possible? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, yeah, it, I don't know. I just had a merch idea for Doris. Oh, Lord. <laughs> you want to hear it? Yeah. Okay, so, like, I, I got to figure out, like, the image, but, the, like, the text would be, like, BDE, like, Big Doris Energy. <laughs> 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 you can't take me anywhere. <laughs> oh, that would be funny. <sighs> I'm a child. I'm sorry. Okay. So then later on, I mean, there's a lot of other stuff that happens with Will in this episode, but it kind of branches off into Vanessa. So we've kind of separated that. Uh, so later on, he's talking to Goodwin. And yeah, listen to this. Listen, um, I realize that I haven't fully expressed my gratitude for all that you've done. You're still bearing the brunt of the consequences, and I'm the one that got you into this mess. So thank you. Appreciate that. I also appreciate you not congratulating me on my apartment building. What? Well, that's been the takeaway for most people. Huh. Don't listen to them. You're a good man, Will Halstead. You stepped up, but then you always do. You got mom's approval. Yeah, like I said, we it's really been a roller coaster. Like he they were on the same page and then it definitely dipped down. She was not a fan of him again. And then now it's back at the top. He's worked the entire existence of the show for Goodwin's approval. And now he explicitly has it. That's like the med version of like, I'm glad you're in my unit. But like, let's hope in season eight, because I don't think he could ruin it in season seven, but let's hope in season eight it can stay that way. I mean, could he ruin it in season eight? Well, he ruined it in season seven and just got it back. So the only reason I'm saying he can't ruin it again in season seven is because we have two episodes left. I feel like she owes him. Like, I don't care if he got the whistleblower award of like two million or whatever. She owes him. We'll see, but season eight will be a different season, my friend. But like, yeah, like... I mean, I hope, I really enjoyed in the beginning, I really did enjoy see Goodwin and Will work together rather than be at each other's throats Mm -hmm. because Will's done some dumb shit. So I hope for my sake as a viewer, I hope that it stays, you know, this way in, you know, future seasons. Yeah. Am I a believer that Will won't fuck something up and have Goodwin mad at him again? It's Will. But I hope for my sake as a viewer, because I enjoyed it that it does stay this way so the episode ends for will and he agrees to let hannah move in so that's going to be interesting um and he also says he's like you should know i'll be across the hall i don't hate this i don't hate this i kind of like it i don't hate it in the hannah and will sense i think it'll be fun because i don't think anything really is, i mean we'll see i guess what happens in these last two episodes but i think them living across the hall together will be fun first of all i didn't realize will was gonna be living in this apartment building yeah i didn't realize that which that's gonna be a you as you do not want to live in the same i my personal feeling is as a landlord you probably sh- wouldn't want to live in the same place as your tenants but also, well, just I was just dying at the way he so casually was like, "Yeah, Hannah, you can move in." He's like, "He's like, we'll do the lease and all that shit tomorrow." I'm like, "Well, that's not really exactly how this works." But like, oh, like okay. also, where they're trying to make us think that Will knows what he's doing. We know this character. There's no way he knows what he's doing. He has no idea what he's doing as a landlord. None whatsoever. 
None. None. Is he painting the walls himself? Did he hire a group? Is he even smart enough to know to hire a group to do it? He's a doctor who works, I'm assuming, 12-hour shifts. I would assume yeah. or eight, eight to 12 hour shifts. Let's put it that way. I mean, he's going to have to have a maintenance guy at some point. Cause he can't just run home in the middle of a shift. If something emergency happens, like he's will, will does not know what he's doing. And it's like, mm. he is it just definitely drives me crazy. Ringing Kevin off the hook for advice. Right. But does Kevin really, I mean, Kevin bought a building, but has Kevin even turned his into apartments or what kind of building did Kevin buy? He just bought a building. I don't know. <sighs> Just like I, I just I just, I see the moment where like Jay texts him and it's like, Will, you've got to stop calling Kev. Like we're busy. Come on. Yeah. Although if Burz, if what happened hadn't happened at the end of PD hadn't happened, Burzik could have just moved into Will's apartment building. Oh my god! And it would be like Saved by the Bell, the new class, except it would be like one Chicago in in oh apartment edition. Apartment edition. Oh my god! Like, no, it'd be fr- it'd be friends. It'd be friends all over again, except one Chicago. Perfect. Perfect. I I love it. I love it. You'd have Hannah and Will and Burzik downstairs. I mean. Yeah. Perfection. Just Amazing. All around perfection. Oh my goodness. So the, um, the first thing I thought when he was like, you should know I'll be across the hall. I don't know why my, 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 my mind went here, but like I, in my mind, I was just like, well, good. If, if God forbid ever, Hannah were to ever relapse, at least he would be there. So I'm glad that they're going to like have each other nearby. That'll be good. Interesting. I didn't even, that didn't even cross my mind because Hannah seems like in such a good spot that I, at this point, I can't imagine her even relapsing. Mm-hmm. Um, Hopefully we never come to that, but yeah, I think, I just think I love, and especially when I read like romance novels or stuff, I love like the forced proximity trope, like them being across the hall from each other. It's going to be, and like neighbor trope, like it's going to be, I, I, if this is what's setting us up for them to be a ship, you know, next season, I, I'm here for this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I'm here for it. I, I'm glad that it's like, if they are, if they are going to get back together, they're like finding their way back to each other. It didn't go from like zero to a hundred. So yeah, it definitely needed to be some sort of slow burn. It doesn't need to be like a seasons long slow mm-hmm. burn, but it definitely needed to be like, okay, we don't, you know, we're not even talking to each other. Okay. Now we can come back to friends. Like, and okay. We're like maybe more than friends. Like it definitely needs to be some sort of slow burn. Yeah. Yeah. I also like that they're they're teeing Will up for some big stuff at the end of the season. So I like that. And and, and I mean, going into next season, you're just going to have a bunch of material to work with for him because he's going to be owning this building. Who knows what other crap he's going to get into, like you said. So I, they're, they're teeing him up for some good stuff. Okay, so kind of going off of that real quick because we're talking about Will so we can talk about the case because obviously we have two more episodes left, 21 and 22. Do you think, like, what do you think happens with the case? Like, do you think something happens and I, I mean because obviously I don't think I think the hospital has to lose or something like that in order for the drama to be there right like if the hospital wins and Cooper and whoever else is in that side of the lawsuit loses okay then what was the point of the trial if okay so if if Med loses I mean all that's really gonna happen is that woo well <laughs> all that was really gonna happen is woo oh oh wait my brain is like going through it so, so they would lose a shit ton of money, probably. They'd have to pay up. Yeah. And then I wonder if Goodwin and Will would have to give their rewards back. Well, does Cooper get his job back? That's a good question. Okay, he shouldn't because, like, 
obviously he's a shifty doctor, but God, but if, having, if the like hospital loses so and good. they win, I mean, if the hospital loses and they win, does that mean he can be reinstated? I don't know. That I just feel like there has to be some sort of consequence to the trial or else why go through the trial? Yeah. And it has to be some sort of consequence on Ned and Goodwin and Will or else again, why go through the trial? Yes. Yeah, you're completely right. Uh, there needs to be a consequence, but also selfishly, I'm like, Michael Rady back in Ned would be so great. And like, especially I'm as an to antagonist. Love him as a villain. Yeah, as, as an antagonist. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm starting He'd to love good. it. So I don't know. Yeah, just interesting. All interesting points to think about about where it's going. Because up until now, I've been like just convinced. I'm like, this is a Dylan cliffhanger for sure. The Melina shit's gonna blow up in his face. It's gonna be a Dylan cliffhanger. And now they introduce this, and I'm like, ooh, wait, maybe I, not. I still think Dylan is the cliff, like the final moments, like final seconds of the episode cliffhanger. But obviously, this is also gonna be the last like three or four minutes like you know we're gonna like it's definitely like in there but I still think Dylan is the ultimate like end of like the episode cliffhanger yeah yeah yep so. this just has me more convinced which we're getting ready to talk about Dylan next speaking we of are. Dylan you know what else bugged me about Matt Cooper and then we can move on so at the very beginning when he's like oh um when he's like being a dick basically um and Will's like what the hell are you doing here he's like oh I'm just getting the old ticker checked I'm like the old ticker from that time you had a cocaine induced heart attack and Will Hostage <laughs> saved your damn life that one you mean don't be a dick save your life yep and scene good all right moving into Dylan <laughs> this one okay Brenda take it away Okay, so basically Dylan shows up to work and Stefan, you know, our good old friend Stefan shows up and is like, hey, Dylan, my boss needs your help. And Dylan's like, okay, cool. Just have him come to the hospital. And Stefan's like, no, we can't do that. So it's a house call. And of course, then all of a sudden, like Melina and the other guy whose name I don't remember, but it's the guy who brought Melina to the hospital, like in the beginning, we are, he showed up at the hospital when Melina was in the hospital the first time. So like, we've seen him before, but I don't, I don't remember, remember if, if he even had a name. I'm sure he did, but it's that guy. But anyway, so they get out of the car. So like, it's not looking great. So Dylan gets in course because what else is Dylan gonna do but like way too willingly right I mean but what else is he gonna do draw attention to the hospital make a scene like running what else is he gonna do I don't know he he was way too willing to get in that car I think the thing is too is like maybe it's a slightly different story if Melena's not there but like he can also look after you know keep an eye on Melena this way that's his like love or you know whatever you want love ex-love whatever you want to call her right would now i don't know love would we? girl what i don't know whatever yeah anyway so they go to this bob mob boss's house or whatever and there's something wrong with the daughter but it ends it's textbooks appendicitis and the boss is just basically like, okay, well, tell me what you need and we can do the surgery right here. And Dylan's like, well, actually, first of all, I'm not a surgeon. <laughs> He's like, I'm just a pediatrician. And second of all, she needs a hospital. Like, we're not doing this in the comfort of her room. That's not how this goes. LOL that this dad was like, cool, let's just do a major surgery right here in her bedroom. Yeah. But anyway, 
that Dylan ultimately does convince him to go to the hospital or whatever. He's like, and the dad's like, okay, but you're not leaving my side. He's like, that's not how this, that's how this goes. And he's Dylan's just like, okay. Um, so they're waiting for the girl to, you know, while she's in surgery and the mom, like just kind of casually mentioned something to Dylan about like, oh, well, when Ava was a baby, she had a little scare, but the doctor said it was no big deal, whatever. Meanwhile, Malena is also in this waiting room and she asks the boss man and she's like, can I get you guys anything? And he's just like, fuck off. He's like, get out of here. He's like, I want nothing to do with you. It's interesting, right? It's like the dynamic, how they shift because like without him around, Malena's like boss bitch. But with him in the picture, she's just a little minion. Yeah, because I mean, from what we think we know about her, she's obviously undercover. So, and she has a role. I mean, she's playing a role. Like she's definitely not in his higher ups. I guess she's in a high enough to be in the waiting room while his daughter's having surgery, but still not high. You know, she's not his like number one or anything. No. No, um, Dylan's so confused too. Yeah, he's just kind of watching everything that Milena does. But surgery goes okay until all of a sudden, like Ava's talking, and then she just like stops breathing, as one does on Chicago Med. Yeah. So of course the dad is like super abrasive. He's basically just like Dylan fix it, and Dylan's like I don't know why this happened, but basically what ends up happening is so Dylan eventually you know, has the mom elaborate on the incident from when Ava was a baby. And it basically, Dylan gets the idea to, he's like, okay, we need to order this genetic test. Basically what it ends up being is she has a genetic condition where her brain forgets to tell her how much to breathe. And that's why it happened when she was a kid. But the reason it happened this time is because when, you know, she had the surgery and she was coming off of the anesthesia, you know, she wasn't getting as much oxygen. And so- that's why um but she's gonna be fine Chicago men things yeah but also I did love the part when Dylan does order the genetic test I forgot to mention this that when the he Dylan's like you know it's a really expensive test or whatever and we have to run it through insurance or whatever he's like so give me your info and the dad just slam takes out his like money clip and slams it down on the bed like obviously money is no object for him I I was just it was just so I was like oh and Dylan's just like okay um but this storyline wraps up because Milena meets Dylan outside after all of this is done and they have a little heart to heart. And, you know, Milena just mentioned, she's like, I can't wait for this case to be over. And Dylan's like, yeah, me either. And they have a little, like, they like tiny, tiny, tiny hold hands. And like, as they like walk by each other and, you know, they, like I said, they walk by each other, but the other guy whose name we can't remember is like, lurking behind the med sign and like watches the whole interaction go down so obviously he knows now that something's going on between Milena and Dylan and this is just not looking that great no no not good yeah but I am curious I mean like I still think that something else is going on but is Milena an undercover cop is she really an undercover cop and I've been wrong this whole time or what do you mean by something else going on I still think she's like pretending to be an undercover cop, but maybe more into the mob scene than we think she is. I don't know if I think she's a drug dealer, but maybe more into the mob scene. I just don't know. I still don't know if I buy that she's really truly just an undercover cop. Um, I don't know. I don't, I, yeah. So I'm just kind of like really confused about it right now. I'm in the same boat you are. Cause like, 
at first I was like, Hey, she's undercover. And then he found like the 50,000 in her backpack. And I was like, I don't know what she is, but then the way she says, I can't wait for this case to be over. I'm like, so is that a yes? Yeah. I said, I don't know. Something still just seems a little sketchy to her to me, but obviously I, this just makes it official. She's going to die in the next two episodes. I don't know which episode, but she's dying. Now, okay, that's a great question. Is she going to die or are we just going to finish this with Dylan in danger? Okay, do you think she's, but here's the thing. I think we could end this with her and Dylan maybe in danger, but then she tries to like, I just have this image of them both being held somewhere in like handcuffs, you know, tied to something where they can't move. Mm -hmm. And then- they tell them to like, hey, no talking. And then Melena tries to talk back. And I just see one of them like shooting Melena and Dylan has to watch. Like, I don't know why I have that image of something like that going down, but I do. Ooh, I like that. Um, that's not a bad theory. I, I see it. I, I think, I feel like at least either Met or PD, one, if not both, is going to end with like a bolt, like a, a gunshot. And then like, it could be either one who got shot and you just don't know. Um but Dylan is definitely, Dylan in danger is definitely like the final moments of men. If it's not, I don't know what else would be, but Dylan it's, in danger yeah. of some sort has to be the final moments of men. That's what I'm thinking too. But also there's another part of me and it, there's another part of me that is like, okay, but wait, that's way too obvious. But then you also have to remember that the med writers are not as twisted and mischievous as the fire writers. Yeah. Med, I mean, as you know, we've just had this whole conversation in our finale rankings episode. I don't think Med has like the best finales ever personally. And they kind of seem a little predictable sometimes. So like I said, it, it would, I think I'd be more shocked if they do something else that's not Dylan in danger for the like final cliffhanger. Yeah. Just get the clown masks ready. Right. Yeah. But I am really excited. I really happy with where they seem to be setting up the Dylan story. I mean, as much as I don't want to see Dylan in danger, like I am glad this is kind of ramping up. The Will stuff sounds good. Like, I think it's going to be a good med finale. I'm just, I think it ends with Dylan in danger. Yeah. I, it's, it's, it's too easy. It's too easy. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, oh man, good stuff. Did you see guys post when he wrapped filming for the season? I thought it was so sweet. Yeah, you can definitely tell, obviously, like how much it meant to him, you know, to have his first season as a series regular. And yeah, I, I love it. Him. I love it. And I already can't wait to have him back on the pod. Yeah. Well, now he's just living it up in Paris because, of Hell course, they're yeah. done filming and like fire is still filming. That's the thing that I think is hysterical. Meds, like Dylan's been living it up in Paris. Or I just said Dylan, Jesus. Guy has been living it up in Paris. For like a week and a half, two weeks, whatever it's been since med wrapped and like fire still over there on set filming, you know, no big deal. They're just not that, you know, they're that still that the far behind. Cutest thing in the world to me that he wraps med and he takes his mom to Paris. Mom to Paris. It's that is so cute. The cutest thing in the world. It's really cute. I love it so much. Yeah. Love it. So a lot of good stuff. And, and I think they've given him a lot of really good stuff to work with in his first season too. Like he's for yeah. sure love for it for sure good stuff so next up we've got crockett crockett crockett, crockett. okay so uh, this opening scene at the coffee card uh nice little quick throwaway scene but i love it how they misspelled his name and he's like by the way there's an r and he spins the cup around and it says crockett they didn't even like beyond that like it's not she just like totally butchered it whoever was behind the counter she just like totally butchered it and like she didn't even care 
No, she's like, yeah. The shrug, she was like, whatever, dude. Like, yeah. Meh. Uh, so he like, that's hilarious. But then, um, a van like speeds up to the ED and a woman gets out screaming for help. So it's her grandson. He's got terminal liver disease and he's 12. So we get inside, we learn a little bit more. She is the only family he has, but she's a bad candidate for a transplant. And the reason they go to med is because like five other EDs have turned them down. So Dr. Blake is just like, yeah, no, this is like, no, why would we do this? That's just, the other EDs were onto something, we agree. So they go in and the grandmother just begs them to run it again, like run the test again, run the test again. And Crockett says, yes. I feel for them too, Crockett, but what you just did wasn't smart. Look, I couldn't turn her away. The grandson's dying. She's likely his only chance to get a liver. I hope you have an overpromise because unless her labs have improved, there's nothing we can do. I mean, this, these are the cases where Crockett shines. This is why I would want Crockett to be my doctor. Yeah. If I ended up at med. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, every other doctor was willing to just be like, you're on your own, dude. If he dies, too bad, you know? Uh, but, like, Crockett is willing to step up and do something and at least try. This is where he's mm-hmm. at his best in these types of cases. But it's interesting because, you know, this is the kind of stuff that Connor used to do. And we used to hate him for it. What's the difference here? The thing about Connor, though, is Connor always did it, not necessarily for the patient's best interest. I mean, sometimes he did, but more for his ego. Like, okay, well, if everyone else can't figure it out, then I'm I'm going to find a way to figure it out, right? Yeah. Like, I'm going to be the one that saves this person's life when everyone else couldn't. Mm-hmm. Crockett doesn't, there is no ego with Crockett, like, ever. Maybe when he first got here, but, like, Really, since then, we haven't seen any signs of Crockett ego, especially as we've gotten to know Crockett as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but Crockett purely does it for the patient or for, yeah. you know, what I mean, like there, but like I said, I think Connor did it as like part of an ego move. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, uh, they, so she's like, yeah, run the panel again. He, she, he, they run the panel again and her numbers are better. So Dr. Blake is like, okay, well, listen, like the operation is still really risky. It could be life-threatening. And the grandmother's like, I don't care. Like, it's not my life I'm worried about. I'm worried about the kid. And so Crockett then talks to the kid and this kid breaks down this poor thing. Oh my God, this little actor, like he's good. So turns out his parents died of COVID and he thinks that he gave it to them because he couldn't get vaccinated. So now he's scared that he's going to kill his grandmother too. My heart. Yeah, all the feels. This poor kid. And Crockett is so good with him. He's so gentle. And just, he would be like, he is definitely 100%. Like, he's the one I want to see when my eyes open at med. Like, mm-hmm. after whatever bullshit has gotten me there. Like, he's the one I want to see. Yep. Will if I have to, but like, Crockett for sure. Yeah. So, Dr. Blake and Crockett, they're scrubbing in. And she's just like, you're really quiet. Like, what are you doing? And he starts talking about Zeke and Pamela is like, "Uh uh-uh, stop talking. Stop right there. Like you're going to get, we're going to get in our heads. We're going to be worried about this. Do not bring that energy into the OR. Don't do it. So they get through the surgery just fine. And then later on the grandmother crashes. It turns out that one of the clips that Dr. Blake had placed, it didn't hold. So Crockett's like, okay, we'll just swap it out. Like easy fix. No big deal. Well, she like, she hesitates at one point. I thought she was starting to like panic because Crockett got in her head. Mm-hmm. Not so much. 
so she like she she basically can't do it and she's like no crockett you have the better angle you do it so then after the surgery she starts beating herself up and we get this i have placed thousands of clips crockett what happened today it worked out and celeste is fine thankfully but it could have just as easily gone the other way i should have thought that, that clip hadn't engaged Look, I, I backed you into a corner when I agreed to new ads for Celeste. I threw you off your game. It's my OR. My responsibility. Not everything's about you, Prophet. I mean, it was a little harsh when she was like, not everything's about you, Crockett. But also I was like, I was like, a lot of other characters in the ED like need to be told that from time to time. Can you just like go around and like spread that word? Like... Let's go up to different characters and just say it. I did like this moment, though, because I think this is the first time we've really seen, obviously, of course, like, Dr. Blake not on her A-game. Yeah. And so the fact that it just, like, nothing that she's been, like, entirely robot, but, like, and because uh, obviously, of course, as we've gotten to know Dr. Blake as a character, her walls have started to come down a little by little because of mm-hmm. her relationship with Crockett, whatever. But, like, I think this is the first time we really saw, like, oh, no, like, Dr. Blake isn't a robot when it comes to the medicine. Like, she actually is human. Yeah, and so it, yeah, so it, it gets really interesting here because later on, uh, you know, and, and Crockett doesn't take it personally. He's just kind of like, oh, that's weird. I don't know what happened, but like, all right. So the grandmother thanks him later and she's like, hey, if you see Dr. Blake, like just pass it along. And he's like, she didn't come by yet? And he's like, no. So he goes to see her in his office and she's just being really cagey. And the minute that she's like, it's not you, it's me. He's like, oh, thanks. That clears everything up. I was like, oh, don't drop that line on him. That's not nice. Uh, but he gets her to open up and it turns out something is wrong with her hand and she's scared. She's really scared. Yeah. Okay. So this got me thinking, obviously I'm sure she's going to be diagnosed. I'm I'm just kind of, again, we're two episodes left in the season. I'm thinking about the future, whatever. Do we think, obviously if some, I'm assuming something, she gets diagnosed with something like Crockett probably convinces her to see a doctor. I'm sure get it checked out something I'm sure goes wrong I'm just kind of thinking like do you think we see Dr. Blake beyond these last two episodes of the season didn't she sign didn't she just land another project but I think that's for summer I don't think it's for like filming I think that I think my understanding was when I read that article I'd have to go back and like find it I think it had already started filming so like she may have just been late to that filming to finish up med I think we'll see her again this season. I think we will. Just no, post, I th- like, no, I think out. this, I, no, I definitely think for this season, I was asking about like, do you think is, are these last two episodes basically like the end of Dr. Blake? Possibly only because of that promo photo that came out for 21, where they look like they're standing on the deck of the Titanic. Oh my God. That's just, yeah. Um, or about to sing that song from West Side Story, either one. It basically looks like a scene from a musical. That could be. Maybe it's something where, like, I'm going to get this checked out. Like, yeah. I, I, I was looking up to see. Hold on. Yeah, they had already. Okay, so this came out like April 20th about Sarah Rafferty being cast in the My Life with Walter Boys series. Um, and it had already begun production in Calgary. So my guess is by the end of summer, it would be done theoretically. Okay. I don't know that for sure. 
So, I mean, I guess theoretically she could be back for next year. I just, I feel like now that they're setting up for like, oh, can she maybe, you know, will she be able to do surgery anymore? Will she not be able to do surgery anymore? Like, I feel like that's the way for them to be like, okay, Sarah Rafferty, we were glad to have you, but like exit stage left. Yeah, that would suck. It would suck, but then I guess I'm just curious because like if she leaves, like we've spent so much time with Crockett and Dr. Blake, both on a professional level and a personal level, then like where does that leave Crockett for season eight? I would feel really bad for him if another person that he loved up and left. Right. Yeah. I'd feel bad for him. I don't know, just things to think about, I guess, as we move into, you know, these last two episodes and then go into summer hiatus. Yeah. Yeah. And the way that, I mean, she's, she's super scared. So that obviously, cause the, the minute that she was like, something's wrong with my hand, my first thought was like, it's just carpal tunnel. It's easy to fix, but I guess it's not given how scared she is, or maybe that's a big deal for surgeons. Well, yeah, obviously if you can't hold your Operate. hands steady, yeah. like, I mean, my dad, you know, my dad was a surgeon, like he talks about it all the time. And I mean, he part, I mean, he didn't have something wrong with his hands, but he did have to stop doing surgery because of a medical issue. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, yeah, like those kind of things for surgeons, like, cause one little tiny movement, even if it's like 0.01% of a, you know, inch off, I mean, like that's like, can be life or death. Yeah. You know? So like, if your hand is not steady as a horse, then, you Mm -hmm. know, that's not good. Yeah. So. So interesting it's getting interesting now it's, it's, it's more than just like it's more than what it's been of like the circle of like there's a transplant they argue they hatch it out and then they like have a sweet little kissy moment at the end we're I, going somewhere I think the break when Crockett was in those ED in the ED for the last like two or three episodes I can't remember exactly how many it's been I think was good to like reset and be like okay like because I think it just got to the point where it was like very like you said it was the circle of like okay, there's a transplant. Okay. Something goes wrong. They fight, but at the end they're making up and they're kissing. And it's just like, okay, that just got old really fast. It was getting predictable. It was very just like every single episode ended in like, I trust you. Talk to me. Kiss, 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 kiss. You know? Yeah. So now we're, we're going somewhere interesting. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. So, uh, we've got Vanessa. Vanessa was working side by side with Will on this one, but the case like pertained more to her than it did to Will. So, but even then it wasn't like, it wasn't totally case. I mean, like, I guess we'll just get into it. So yeah, like you said, Vanessa was working with Will, which I don't think we've seen before. If we have, it's been a long time and it was maybe like once, but like, it's really nice. I really have enjoyed the fact that med feels like they've really, besides maybe Crockett and Dr. Blake, of course, because of the transplant stuff. Like, I feel like we've really gotten like a good mix of like everybody working with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm always down for a new pairing. It's, it's yeah. interesting to see how everybody works with each other. Yeah. So basically they get a patient and their patient's name is Dorian. And as it turns out, Dorian knew Maggie in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, this is not what I thought it was me last week. I predict because we were going over episode descriptions. I thought for sure he was going to know something about like Maggie being pregnant and, you know, obviously giving birth to what would then turn out to be Vanessa, whatever, not that great at all or not that way at all like he does tell some like good Maggie stories though you know he was like yeah we used to be good friends like she was valedictorian president of every club we sang us we sang together seasons of love together in choir um you know he just starts telling all these stories about that 
Um, did that like that does okay, valedictorian president of all the clubs clubs and stuff, that did not that did not strike me as a Maggie thing. Like I didn't expect that that's not something I pegged her for in high school. What about you? That didn't surprise. I mean, like, honestly, I don't know if I would have, if you had said, if I had said, if we were having this discussion, say like on the podcast, we were like, what's everyone like in high school? I don't know if I would have said that, but once Dorian said it, I was like, oh yeah, you know, I could see it. The thing that honestly kind of shocked me was Maggie being in choir and like being a lead singer. I guess I just don't picture Maggie as like a singer, but what do I know? But also, my question is, when did Maggie go to high school? Because, like, Rent came out in, like, 1996. It's a great point. I never would have thought about that. Yeah. So, I, I think, didn't Rent, like, just turn 25? Uh, yeah. They, well, it turned 25, you know, I think it was last year, maybe? Two years ago? They were definitely trying. They were been doing a 25th anniversary tour, for sure. Yeah, so, yeah, didn't I, like, just see it, like, a month ago? I think I did. Uh, yeah, so that's, like, my other question, too. It's, like, when when did they go to high school? Because that's, it, it must have been brand new, but just nerdy things that I worry about. I don't know. Yeah, it, if it, I was, I'm looking this up. It, I mean, I guess it was in workshops in, you know, 93, whatever, but, like, it officially opened on Broadway in um, April 96. Okay. So, yeah. Got it. But um, anyway, so yeah, but anyway, so he, of course, Vanessa, you know, Maggie's upstairs doing her case, um, which I guess we could talk about really quickly, which, like we said earlier, Maggie and Hannah were working together on just it was just a run of the mill birth. The parents came in the you know, something was wrong. Turns out she was just in labor early, you know, baby got stuck a little bit. But other than that nothing happened i mean baby was a big baby broke a hospital record at 11 pounds nine ounces but like maggie and hannah were just dealing with a normal birth and i was like oh okay it was so nice though it was so nice to see them like laughing and being like congratulations and then like how maggie was like i'm a midwife do you want me to stay with you and both of them were like yes yeah it was it was really it was nice but anyway yeah. so yeah maggie's upstairs steering dealing with that and vanessa's like oh yeah we can get maggie and dorian's like no like i you know i don't want to bother her whatever so they're trying to figure out what's wrong with dorian and they're thinking well they're like well is it an infection is it allergy i mean whatever are you allergic to stuff and dorian makes a comment about like being allergic to grapes and apples which i feel like maybe I don't know. I'm not allergic to anything that I know of, but I feel like that's not necessarily common fruit to be allergic to. I don't think so either. I know somebody who's allergic to apples, but like, she's the only person I know allergic to apples. Right. I mean, I guess there, I think of like other like fruits and foods in general as being more common to be allergic to, but like, Mm -hmm. oh, okay then. Um, But then of course they're like, they make the comment, Vanessa's like, oh really? So am I. So then of course everyone's head is, you know, spinning. It's like, oh, is Dorian going to turn out to be Vanessa's father? Like that's going to be awkward. Even the minute that he started talking about Maggie in high school, I was like, oh, this is Vanessa's dad. Like, yeah. 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 Basically they end up having no answers for him. They run more tests. He ends up having, I think it, I don't remember the name of it. Some like neurological something. Cause at one point Vanessa tells Maggie that he's here and she's like, oh yeah, he's going to be fine. They're just waiting for like a neuro consult. But Vanessa and Maggie then have this conversation. Is he my father? Oh, sweetie. No. Okay. But if he isn't, then who is? 
You've never asked me that before. I know, but just meeting Dorian, it, it just made me think. I'm sorry, Vanessa, but I can't tell you. Your biological father and I agreed that we would never contact you. I broke that agreement, but I can't make that choice for him. But, but maybe you could just reach out and ask him if he'd like to meet me. Vanessa, we didn't stay in touch. I don't even know where he is. I can ask around and try to find him. Oh, I, I, I'd love that. Thank you. Okay, do you think this is going to go? Do you think Van Maggie finding her old flame and then Vanessa's role in it, do you think that's going to be good in the end or is that going to be a shit show? And by shit Maybe show, I mean, shit show. I mean, yeah, I think it's going to be obviously maggie is the one that sought out vanessa and like of course vanessa was a little shocked and you know but it all ended up okay i think matt i don't think the father whoever it ends up being is going to be as warm and receptive for sure i think it's going to be like a ship show i don't i mean i i feel like that was like way too easy to i, I feel like there's still a chance that dorian could be Inch yeah because i guess then especially because there was nothing like crazy medically wrong with him then like why introduce dorian i mm. guess for vanessa to then be like is he my dad and then like for the, the spinoff into the vanessa's father plot line mm -hmm. yep but i don't know but i definitely think do you think we find out i mean vanessa may not necessarily find out who her father is in the last two episodes but do you think maggie reunites with the dad in these last two episodes um i don't know i, I don't know if it's gonna happen this season but i i could see i could see it in like the last episode maggie being like i got a name or like or well, in she the already last knows episode, the name yeah she already obviously she knows the name but or in the very last episode maggie being like i'm really sorry i didn't tell you dorian's your father i guess it just makes me like thinking about all this and like i know obviously things happen scheduling wise but i just it just makes me sad this made me think about how sad i am that we haven't seen ben at all i know because like i don't think anything romantically is going to happen when maggie reunites with whoever the father is but like still it just got me thinking i was like man we haven't seen ben this year and that just makes me sad like i don't know it just got me thinking about how we haven't seen ben at all this season and i'm just like it really sucks it does really suck it would be a nice reminder that like they're together i forget that sometimes that like there's a ben in the picture that Maggie's married. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like, and not even just like, we haven't seen him like no men or no mentions nope. whatsoever. Like not even a comment being like, oh yeah, Ben's at a teacher conference in, you know, X, Y, Z, you know, yada, yada, yada. Or I think we actually, now that I think about it, did we get a Ben comment at least when Maggie went to dinner with Vanessa's parents? Maybe, Maybe. but even then, yeah. but even then still like, that's not enough. Mm -hmm. not enough not enough at all um but yeah that's the vanessa maggie of it all yeah so um i think last up but every time i say last up i'm wrong but no it's last I'm right. up. yay okay uh last up we've got ethan I, I have a hot take on this one like let's just we'll get there i have a hot take okay so by the way, I'm, I've already started the Doris artwork just to keep myself busy. Um, <laughs> this is me, just, you know. Okay, 
So uh, we start off, and now remember, at the end of the last episode, Ethan had this like bombshell dropped on him that his father had a relationship with another man while they mm-hmm. were in the Navy. So we start off the episode, he's in Dr. Charles's office, and he just can't reconcile it. He's trying to, uh, and Dr. Charles is like, have you contacted your family? And he's like, I can't, I can't. Like, he's like, you know, I tried to bring it up with Emily. Emily didn't care. And he's kind of afraid to bring it up with his mom. And I understand why, because, you know, if she knew, then she hid it from him all these years. And, you know, if she didn't know, then he's only got his father to be mad at and he's going to break his mom's heart. So, yeah. First of all, I'm glad we got an Emily reference. We'd had gone like way too many seasons without an Emily reference. So that was like a nice little throwback or whatever. But yeah, this storyline just makes me think of on Station 19 with Travis and when Travis found out that his father was gay and yeah. obviously very much still in a relationship with his mom and he was trying to reconcile it himself about like okay well do I tell my mom does my mom know like how do I handle that you know and then obviously the fact that in that specific situation Travis himself also being gay and his dad having not great feelings about it when Travis came out and the hypocrite that made his father then whatever and that's just kind of this what it reminded me of was like the reconciling of it because I'm I've I mean, and it's not that I think Ethan is mad that his father was LGBTQ, you know, whatever. It doesn't seem like Ethan's upset that his father was gay. He's mad at the fact that his father hid that part of his life from him. Yeah. So, yeah, Yeah. I definitely, I'm glad they kind of are showing Ethan very much struggling with it. Because I can't imagine if my parents hid some kind of big secret from me for, you know, my whole life. And then you find out and you're like, wait, what? Like, Mm -hmm. I, I, I can't imagine. Yeah. And so his patient sprained his wrist at a mud run, run of the mill. So as this guy's about to be discharged, Ethan notices that he's having some issues seeing. And so they run some tests and it turns out that it's start, it's looking like the beginning of MS, it's multiple sclerosis. And right off the bat, this patient is like, do not tell my daughter, do not tell her. And Archer's like, we won't, right, Dr. Choi? it's like he knows it's like he knows that ethan otherwise would fuck up and tell the daughter like of course yeah yeah so ethan and dr charles are looking on as this patient is talking to his daughter and like pretty much nothing's going on they're having a very casual conversation and it irks the crap out of ethan clearly they're not discussing miles's diagnosis maybe he's you know still processing her they're trying to find the right words and didn't want to scare her or he's just not ever going to tell her. The longer you hold on to secrets, the harder they are to admit. The father took all of his to the grave. I completely appreciate where you're coming from, but, I mean, how he wants to go about it, kind of up to him, right? But it's a betrayal. By keeping quiet, he's doing the honor what my father did to me. Yeah, so so the daughter, the daughter, her, like, spidey senses are tingling. She knows something's up, so she asks him, like, what's going on? And Ethan does something really interesting here. He does, he, he just, he's like, no, I technically can't tell you, but here's a business card of this website that you might want to go to because your dad might need help inputting his personal data. And so she's just like, okay, got it. I see what you're doing here. Which then of course leads to the patient telling his daughter, I'm not mad about this. You're not mad that Ethan went about it? I'm not mad at what he did. I'm not necessarily, I'd say, mad at the action of Ethan 
telling, you know, doing this or whatever. I think it's definitely like he did it out of the wrong intentions. He did it because he feels hurt rather than I think for the patient's sake. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I don't think he did it because he thought it was best for the patient. I think he did it because he obviously is personifying his situation onto their situation mm-hmm. and feels betrayed by his father. And so he, you know, whatever. I mean, it's, listen, it's not the worst thing anyone at Med has ever done. Like, it, I mean, granted, he did break HIPAA, but everyone breaks HIPAA. Like, like I said, it's not the worst thing Med has ever what done. What the fuck is HIPAA? Right. <laughs> but the thing is, but the thing is, and I guess we'll get to it in two seconds, but like the thing that I think makes me appreciate this storyline more, or at least it doesn't irk me as bad is because he regrets it. And if I think if he didn't regret it and he was like, eh, mm, mm, you know, whatever, then like, I'd be like, Ethan, really? Like, you're just acting so casually. But the fact that he's like, oh no, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Like their situation is not my situation. Mm-hmm. And he has that reflection. I think it's like, okay, he fucked up, but he realizes he fucked up. And he regrets that he did it. So I think that makes it more okay. Personally. Yeah. Yeah. He He's empathizing with the daughter. And, and as am I. Um, this happened to me once. And so I'm like way in my feels about it. I'm like, no, he did the right thing. I think he did the right thing. That's just me projecting my bullshit onto him. I think having worked in the medical side and being on the other side of it and Mm -hmm. like having to be very careful with like, yeah, it sucks. But like, obviously, I mean, obviously this is, I'm not, I, when I worked, I was not in the med situation. So you can't just break HIPAA as casually as they do. Like it's a real thing, you know, like, I mean, like you have to be really careful about you know, we would have to pull up patients' charts and check their sheets, you know, of like who fill it out, like who can you talk to, who can you not? And like, it sucks, but like, and you, I mean, like they could be their patient's child, but like if the parent doesn't want them to know and doesn't put them on their form, then like you can't say anything. So like, I see it from more of the medical side of like, yeah, it sucks, but like HIPAA is there for a reason and it, you know. Yeah, yeah no, I, 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 I get it. I totally get it. Uh, just- yeah. So uh, we have this conversation between Ethan and Dean, and we get this revelation. Hey, Dean. Yeah. Decided I don't want the chief position any longer. You keep it. Really? Uh, why the change of heart? Uh, I guess uh, just not who I am any longer. Huh. All right, well. You know me, I'm not one to argue, so, uh, deal. Good. I'll tell Miss Goodwin. Make it official. I'm kind of loving the new Ethan. I knew that was coming. I knew Ethan was going to decide he didn't want to be chief anymore. I think it just, we've had this conversation over the last couple weeks about, like, it really feels like Brian is going to leave at the end of the season. And I think... If Ethan's not chief anymore, what does he have? Like, what reason does he really have to be stuck at med anymore? Yeah. It just feels like that. If I'm wrong, I will be glad that I'm wrong because, of course, I don't want Ethan to leave. But, like, it just very much seems like they're setting up for that. Yeah, I'm with you on that one because I'm I'm absolutely loving the new Ethan that we're seeing here. Like, this new version of him where now he's understanding more stuff and he's like, you know what? Rules are kind of meant to be broken. And that's a bummer that we're probably not going to see more of that. We're just going to get like these four episodes of him being like, I'm a different person now. And that's it. But yeah, I'm with you. I, I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah. 
So obviously the patient is pissed and like, of course, rightfully so, right? Turns out that the daughter had just accepted a new job in Seattle and he didn't want her to know because he knew she was going to give it up to stay back and take care of him. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. So Ethan comes out of the room and Archer goes, that looks uncomfortable. What did you do? That's an Archer line that did not piss me off. Am I okay? What is happening right now? Yeah, it, like I said, Archer actually was like fine in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's kind of fine. Yeah, he was fine. I feel like the way that he like talks and conducts himself, it's okay with Ethan because they have that rapport. But with Will and Crockett and everybody else in the hospital, like you need to be a little bit more respectful. Yeah. A little bit more, but it works with Ethan. Yeah, and then he just says he's like, good call giving up the chief position. But like, actually though, good call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He probably would have lost it if he hadn't just given it up. Yeah. So he ends the episode debriefing with Dr. Charles at Molly's and, you know, he's just like, it's ridiculous. This is a conversation I never got with my dad. And Dr. Charles is like, let's imagine that you had, what do you think he would say? And so Ethan just says, you know, maybe the same for what Miles wanted for his daughter to protect me. Because if you think about it, I mean, don't ask, don't tell was repealed not long ago, right? That was probably, I mean, I think it had been in effect for a long time, right? yeah so i don't know how many years but yeah definitely for a long time so if don't ask don't tell was still in effect when this was going on there was a chance that if you know it got out for whatever reason that ethan would be bullied because of his dad right so yeah i mean i see it it sucks but i see it yeah i i also just random comment i am glad that med has not forgotten about molly's because pd definitely has but med at least the at Molly's. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for sure. I definitely, I think Ethan is starting to realize, obviously he, it kind of sucks. Like there's so many conversations, like when you're, when you lose a parent, like there's so many conversations you wish you could have with them and you can only imagine what their response would be good and bad. Like sometimes silly. Like I think about it a lot with my mom. I'm like, man, I wish I could have this conversation with my mom or ask her this question. And like, you can only imagine what their response would be and like, but you'll never know. So like, you kind of have to just imagine it and be okay with what you imagine. And so like, yeah, it sucks. But I think Ethan realized it's starting to kind of imagine the best he can, like why his dad did what he did. And like, mm -hmm. he's going to have to come with terms of like, hopefully his hope of what his dad wanted is like the best, you know, is in line with what Ethan wants and is Ethan's okay with, but like, yeah, it really sucks. Does that eat away at you that, you know, you can't get that closure? Yeah. I mean, like, I guess I wouldn't upset, like, I guess I haven't thought about it in a long time with like something serious, serious, like with my mom, like about a serious topic like this necessarily. Mm -hmm. But I think about it sometimes, like even just like little funny things like, oh, well, why did this happen? Or like, why did we get into this? Or like, you know, why is this the way, you know, like little things that I'm like, man, I wish I could ask my mom that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like okay, well, maybe she would think about this or whatever. And I'm like, okay, but like, I guess I haven't had it. I haven't been necessarily in Ethan's position yet with like a serious topic, but I definitely a lot. Like, I think that I'm like, man, I wish I could ask my mom like why we did this or why this happened or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think about it all the time. But yeah. Um, I had something else I was going to say about where I, I don't remember. Oh, um, when we were just talking about Archer, it, 
I guess we're also going to get the Archer. We haven't seen much of Archer in the last like episode or two, but like, I guess the Archer Sun stuff is still coming up in these last two episodes too, I guess. Is it coming this season or is it coming next season? I don't know. The vibe that I got from when I talked to Steven is that it's this season, but I don't know. There's only two episodes left. Like, what are you going to build up with the sun? Unless at the season finale, the sun shows up on the doorstep or something. That would be an interesting cliffhanger. That would be an interesting cliffhanger. And they've heavily implied that, like, he had some sort of drug drug problem. So Right, which is why Hannah triggers Archer. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that would be some good finale stuff. And we also don't even know, does the sun live in Chicago? We don't know that. We don't know anything. We don't know anything except that basically Archer has a son. That's <laughs> like all we know. Fantastic finale, like twist. If like that episode, like a patient comes in of an OD or something and it turns out to be Archer's son. That would, that would be, be some so good. Finale good. Stuff. Yeah, that would be good. Because then we're going to see like Archer. We're going to see a whole different side of Archer. That would be real good. Yeah. That would be real good. And then obviously the Ethan stuff, like, oh man, they would just be really good. Yeah. yeah. I hope so. I hope they don't drop it. Yeah, I yeah. give us like good meaty archer stuff that isn't going to make us want to tear our hair out when we like watch it. Yes, yes. Which okay, in case you missed it, just an ICYMI here, you guys. If you have not watched Brina's interview with Stephen Weber, go do it. Go do it. You are going to see Archer in a completely different light. Mm-hmm. Completely different. Go do it. Once you're done with this episode, but like go do it. It's yeah. you're you're gonna your whole perspective towards Archer is gonna change. So. Yeah. He's been more tolerable to me since that interview. Well, he's also, I think, even regardless of my interview, I think Archer, these last two episodes or last couple episodes has just not been as much of a factor, which is fine. Um, But yeah, I just, I want to see some like good meaty Archer stuff that can make me finally like root for him or at least feel something for him besides anger. Right. It, It needs to happen. It's been a season and a half. We already know we're getting more Archer in season eight, like. I need something. Something needs to change regarding Archer. Yeah. Yeah. So. so. Any other notes on Med? No, I like I said, I we said in the beginning, but I think this was Med's best episode in a couple weeks. Like it was, it was good. It was good. It was really good. Really, a really, really good, good setup for finale, you know, the last two episodes. Like it, it's really good. Yeah. It's a good one. For sure. For sure. So moving into fire. Okay. Um <laughs> This was, we were, we were so close to a perfect episode and the last five minutes just completely ruined it. Okay. And we'll get there. Of course, part of that last five minutes I saw coming. I mean, it was going to make me angry regardless of when it happened, but I saw it coming. The other part of that five minutes I did not see coming and that made me really, really mad. (laughs) Uh, I'm referring to the very last scene. The yes. second to last scene did not bug me. The second to last scene, I was like, oh, snap. Uh, the second to last scene, I saw it coming. It still made me angry, but I saw it coming. So it wasn't like, oh my God, okay, yeah. whatever. But I, I was still mad. The yeah. last scene, I did not see coming and it made me want to like throw shit. Me too, me too. It, it put a it put a cloud over the whole episode for me. Like it did, it's not that it ruined the episode for me, but like, I was kind of, I, I was just, mad really. I was just like, that episode did not feel satisfying at all. It was more just like, okay, really? We're getting this kind of unnecessary drama, but we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. Brenna, start us off. We're going to start with Stellarite and Gallo. So take it away. Okay. So basically in the beginning, we are hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. We start the episode with Stellarite sexy time on the floor. 
ow, like, <laughs> ow. Okay, Why but floor, but so sexy. But like, they're poor backs, and they're no air mattress, nothing, just pillows on the floor. No, ow. just like two pillows, not even like two. It's like pillows for their heads, and like that's it. I, ouch. That makes my back hurt. But also really sexy. People do that? Now, okay, granted, on How I Met Your Mother in the very first episode, Marshall and Lily have sex on the kitchen floor. But, like, again, ow. Oh, yeah, they do. Now, I've seen the first episode, How I Met Your Mother now. So, yes, they do. I remember that. Um, My back hurts just from generally existing. Never mind, like, sex on the floor. Mm, okay anyway um but otherwise the other big takeaway from that scene is basically they've we knew that they picked a venue they've apparently picked a wedding date we don't know what the date is but obviously we know we're getting the wedding in the finale so like Um, in the next couple weeks it's may 25th 2022 duh duh but anyway they're just like yeah we picked a wedding date and Severide's just like we got all we need and like i feel like we should have known from the good moment to start this episode that it was going to end not great for Stellaride. And Stellaride saying we got all we need, of course, is just like, eh, of course, we're going to fuck it up. But like, in that uh, one moment, we were happy. In that one moment. I'm a little mad, but like, well, okay, keep going. Okay. So truck and squad basically get caught out to this construction site where a guy is hanging from a crane because the crane went haywire. And so he went up with the crane. Um, so basically the thing that I loved about this though, is like, obviously now that we've got Stella as Lieutenant of truck and Severide as, uh, Lieutenant of squad, mm-hmm. I love seeing them like discussing the strategy for the rescue, like something it's so nerdy, but I love seeing them be all nerdy together as fiancés. Like, I don't know, something about that image just really, I loved it. I That obsessed. little brainstorm sesh was the best. How they were just like, okay, well, we're going to go in from this angle. So you go in from that angle, like the best. It was so great. Yeah. But so squad is going to be down. Like they need another hand. So Severed's like, Hey, can I borrow Gallo? He's like, we've been training together for a little bit. Like he, you know, he can work with me, whatever. And so to say Gallo is pumped would be an understatement. Oh my God. And especially once he learns that not only is he helping squad, he's going to actually do the rescue himself. Amazing. So um, I love seeing them too. Like some we haven't gotten like a good squad call in a little bit. Like I love seeing squad go up the crane and then like Severide and Gallo both like having to climb up, out to the edge. Like I, I loved everything about it. It was so it great. Was so good. And like the confidence on Gallo. Oh, I like, yeah, everything about that was perfect. And then how this like, was, no, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna say this was a great Gallo redemption episode for me like obviously we've had a bunch of negative feelings towards Gallo in the back half of the season um but this was really this episode made me really be like okay Gallo like this is why I loved Gallo Mm -hmm. like this is why I love Gallo and it just was just a good like okay yeah I still do love Gallo like yeah he's been an asshole this season but like I still love gallo just yeah. not with violet but i still love gallo yeah um but i did think it was funny because like emma and violet are down and violet is also obviously very worrying she's like clutching her um radio she's like <laughs> watching with like nervous and emma's just like damn that's crazy hot and violet's just like what the uh, fuck like that's what you're worried about yeah really uh, funny i also died at how cute it was when like gallo lets go and he like hangs from the thing and both stella and violet flinch at the same time yeah I love this little squad they're just so cute yeah um but Gallo absolutely kills it 
gets the guy down safe and sound. Like, I mean, I didn't have any doubts, but it's it was really cool to see Gallo at squat. Oh my God, the confidence on him too. How he was like, just relax and enjoy the view. Yeah. I love how like Sev has now become Gallo's like surrogate dad in place of Casey. Yeah, I love love it. it. Love it. Um, So at the end of shift, so like I said, everything goes great. End of shift. Gallo thanks Stella for letting him work on, you know, with squat on that call. And she's like, yeah, of course, you know, whatever we needed to do. And Gallo just like straight up tells her, he's like, I'm going to try out for squad. He's like, I just wanted to make sure you heard that from me because the last time I thought about it, you know, Casey had to hear from someone else. He's like, I just want to avoid that happening. And Stella's just like, she's taken aback, I, you know, I think, but she's just like, you know, thank you for telling me. Mm-hmm. But she's like I said, she's taken aback and she's pissed. So she goes to Severide's quarters and asks him about training Gallo. So you have been training with Gallo. Yeah, I told you about that. No, I thought that was a one-time thing. Like you were helping him get caught up so he could join a class midstream. Yeah, and then we kept it up here and there. I I thought you were teaching at the academy. I am. But I also do sessions with Gallo when I have the time. I'm not hiding anything from you, Stella. Kelly, Truck is not the farm team for squad. I can't have you poaching my crew, especially when I just got everybody working together as a team. Poaching is a strong word. The fact is, Gallo and I started having this conversation way back when Casey was running 81 and then got serious when Pelham was his lieutenant. Okay, well, I am in charge of truck now and I'm telling you, back off. Honestly, so I know there was, because this is the scene from the promo and I think a lot of people thought from the promo, they're like, oh, this is going to be a mislead. Like, Stella's not going to really be that mad at Severide. And, you know, yada, yada, yada. No, she's really mad. She was mad. She's really mad. And I mean, go ahead. I figured that I when I saw it in the promo, I figured that she was just, it was going to be something where like she lashed out and then later on was going to be like, I'm sorry. Right. Uh, and that's exactly what I figured in this moment, given the way she walked out and the way Severide, Severide had, the look he had on his face. I think I, I felt the same way. I was like, no, he gets it. She's just kind of defensive. She's lashing out for whatever reason. It's okay. It'll be reconciled later. And the thing is, though, I see both sides. Like, I see why Severide is, or didn't think it was a big deal to mention training with Gallo that, like, I don't think it's poached. Like, I don't think Severide working with Gallo because Gallo wants some training is him poaching Gallo. Like, I don't think that at all. Mm -hmm. But I also can see Stella's point of view of, like, how it looks to her being like it is poaching and that like truck is not just like you don't start out on truck just so you can then join squad like I see both sides but I do I I, like I said I didn't think Stella was gonna actually be this mad when I saw the promo but she's real mad she's real mad he's not poaching 
Gallo came to Seb with an interest in squad. Right. And, and that's what he the, says. He's like, he's yeah. like, this actually started way back when Casey was, you know, running 81. It happened still with Pelham. Like I said, I see Kelly's point of view, but I can also see it from Stella's point of view that it does just seem like, oh, if you're on truck, then you're going to end up on squad at some point. And like, that's not how it should necessarily go. No, but that's faulty logic. I mean, Mouch has been on truck for years, right? The last person right. who this happened with was Mills and Stella wasn't even around for that. Cruz, which she wasn't necessarily around for Cruz, but still. JK, it was indeed Cruz. Listen, we all block out season four, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but still, so anyway, Stella's mad. Point being, Stella's mad. So later that night at Molly's, Gallo comes up to Severide and he's like, I'm ready for squad. He's like, it's the most sure I've ever been about anything in my entire life. But Severide, Severide knows that like he's got to be careful. And like he and Stella seem to be okay when they're at Molly's, but he's like hesitant given his conversation earlier with Stella. And he's like basically just tells Gallo, he's like, we'll see in terms of like helping Gallo get there, which also sucks because. Obviously, I get it. Severide doesn't want to step on Stella's toes as she's trying to figure out things. I get it. He feels like he's in a tough position. But, like, it also sucks that Severide can't mentor Gallo and be there for Gallo as Gallo's going through this journey because of Stella. Yeah. And, again, this whole time, that's that was the feeling I got that was, like, that was, like, okay, well, you know, Stella, Stella's just not thinking clearly. She just needs a little reason. And then like, she's going to see that she's hindering his career and she'll come around. Happens to the best of us. Sometimes we get blind spots about things, right? Like I really did not think anything of this. Uh, and Severide just being considerate of like, you know, do I mentor Gallo or do I be considerate of Stella? I didn't think anything of that either. I was just like, he's trying to wait the two because, you know, he, he loves Stella and he still wants to be considerate of what she wants. I mean, for him to just yeah. be like, fuck you, I'm mentoring Gallo would be completely callous. You know, for he sure. wants and to handle it appropriately. And, and that wouldn't be a Severide thing either. I don't think Severide would do that either. Right, but like right. I said, it does suck, I think, because we've always known that whenever Gallo joins squad, like Severide was going to become his mentor. Like mm-hmm. Severide, I mean, Gallo is basically a young Severide. Yeah. And we all knew that was going to happen. So I think it is kind of, it does kind of suck that Severide feels like he can't be that for Gallo because of Stella and because he has to weigh both sides. You know what, you know, always an interesting question though, is that would, would Gallo really be a mini Severide if Casey hadn't left? I think eventually I'm not saying maybe right now, but yeah, I, I think eventually for sure. I think we've known that since Gallo. I mean, since we saw Gallo climb those apartment, that apartment building the first time we met him. Yeah, yeah. That obviously Gallo was going to end up on squad and eventually he he just seems like a mini Severide. Yeah. So for sure. I don't know if I would have put it this soon, but I mean, yeah, for sure. So Severide goes to see Bowden next shift and like asks him about expanding the squad team from four to five. And he like expects Bowden to say no. That's what he's hoping Bowden will say. So then he doesn't have to be the bad guy. He wants Bowden to say no so that Bowden, so Severide can then go to Gal and be like, oh, we can't have another member. Like, that solves that problem. Sucks to suck, but yeah. But actually, Bowden's like, well, you know, there's been conversations about it at HQ. So like, we could probably make it happen. And Severide's like, oh, fuck. Mm -hmm. He's like, that's not what I wanted to hear. But also, we've had five man squad teams before. We have. It's been a while, though. I mean, yeah, it's been like season one or season two, but still, we have had them before. So, anyway, 
but anyway, so then Severide and Scylla have this heart to heart in the truck later. And I really love this scene. We'll talk about it in a second. Look, this whole poaching gala thing, I didn't think that you'd be so upset about it. Because it's not like you found him and molded him from raw clay. But he's an important part of your team. And I get that. Thank you. When I started out, I was riding a truck under Carl Grissom. Gris? Sure. And long before he was the fire commissioner, he was my mentor. Yeah, I know, Kelly. But I'd always had my eye on squad. And once I thought I was ready, I tried out for squad three. A few weeks go by, and I never got a response. Then one day, I'm, I'm at the commissary, and I bump into Captain Wallace Bowden. He says, Kelly Severide, I thought you wanted to join us on squad three. Turns out weeks prior, I had been accepted, but I never got the notification because Grizz intercepted it and threw it in the trash. Yeah, he wanted to keep me to himself. He didn't give a damn what I wanted for my career. That was the beginning of the rift between us. We get along okay now, but things won't ever go back to the way it was. I love this scene. I did too. And and the background of like why he and Grizz have that rift. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Well, and how he ends up on squad and you know, the Bowden of it all. Like, I don't think I ever did we know that Bowden was on squad like prior to becoming, you know, like battalion chief and all that stuff. Like chief of squad? No, I don't think we did. But I, I took that as like he was already chief of 51. No, I mean, because it says at the time he was captain, which obviously Casey was captain. I just didn't. I just assumed Bowden would have been on truck or something. I didn't think Bowden was on squad. Yeah, me neither. I love that little tidbit, too. I thought that was fun. Yeah. Same. Um, but yeah, I love hearing the backstory. And I think it makes sense why severide feels like he's in a tough position because the same thing happened to him and like i think it helps make stella realize like at the time i thought this was it i thought stella was gonna see that like oh no maybe i'm just handling it wrong whatever you know cool i again i thought we were heading in a decent spot i was okay with this until the end Um, I, i thought we were in a decent spot after this i was like okay now she gets it like she just she just wasn't thinking clearly it's okay like that's fine no big deal yeah. So Stella goes to Gallo and she's like, listen, you've got my blessing to join squad. She's like, you know, I want you to know whatever feelings I have about losing you. She's like, I would never want to get in the way of your career advancement. So don't worry about me. Like, follow your heart. So now Gallo's stuck because obviously, of course, Stella feels some way, but is not trying to be in the way for Gallo. Gallo's just he's in a tough spot. So Gallo goes to see our old friend. Jason Pelham for some advice. What's up, dude? This was I this was a nice little moment. I I think in some ways I thought it was like maybe a tiny bit I wouldn't I don't know if out of character is the right phrase. I guess I just didn't realize that like by the end Pelham and Gallo were close enough that like Gallo would go seek out Pelham for some advice. That just felt like a little off to me. <laughs> It didn't bother me. I, I mean, I, I was, it was a mark of how far they came, right? Like they just didn't get each other at first. And now they've, their, their relationship is to the point that, you know, they trust, like he, 
Gallo trust him. I thought it was a nice moment for sure. And like I said, I just, it definitely, there was one moment though in me that I was like, okay, this kind of just felt more like a Pelham did well, better than we thought we did. Or Pelham turned out better for the fans than we thought he might. So like, let's just throw him back in for one last kind of cameo. Yeah. Um, But I like this conversation. Like I like Pelham's advice. He's like, you know, the only person that knows what's right for you is you. It's like, you, yeah. you're, it, like you're the one that has to make the call. Mm-hmm. so later at molly's gallo pulls stella aside and he's like you know i'm sticking it out on truck he's like the fact is you've had always had my back you've always looked out for me he's like way too soon to break up this great team um so nice He's not wrong yeah so stella is obviously thrilled because her team is still sticking together and so later that night, Stella and Severide are going over like wedding packages and add-ons and whatever. And Severide thinks the prices are outrageous and they, they are. have, yeah. And they have this conversation. I thought we did a nice job handling you know, our, our first professional disagreement. No major drama. Of course you do. You got your way. You. It happens a lot. Oh, boy. What in the absolute fuck was this? I did not see this coming at all. It did not. Like, because nowhere once. Like, yeah, I think obviously, of course, we saw Severed and Stella disagree and not, you know. But, like, in no way did they ever show us Severed being irked by it. Well, and, and that, and I mean... When they picked the venue, Stella was like, we, I want to do it here unless you want to do it somewhere else. Kelly has had all the chances in the world to say no. Oh, that wasn't even the part that bothered me at all. Um, it, like I said, it was more about like, Stella's like, oh, I thought we did, you know, we handled everything nicely. And Severide's like, of course you did. You get it your way. Like it happens. I was just like, really? Like, I was like, okay. Like I said, in this specific moment, I just, it did not, it never seemed like Severide seemed irked by Stella's reaction to the whole Gallup situation. And I would have liked to have seen that for this to make more sense. Otherwise, this just seemed like a very out of character comment. Like you, you wanted to see him being irked about Gallup. Well, no, yeah, about Stella's reaction to the Gallo thing. Because mm-hmm. Stella was obviously mad, but in no way do we ever see Severide have feelings about Stella's feelings. Like, he never seems angry or being like, what the fuck? Like, you know, you're just trying to get your way. Like, Severide just handles it the way he handles it. And, like, I thought he was handling it great. And I thought they did handle it well. And Severide's like, of course you did. Like, you got your way. And, like, I'm, I just would have liked to see Severide being irked about the whole thing in order for this comment to make sense. Because otherwise, this comment just seems so out of left field. I don't know where it came from. Oh, it's completely out of left field. It makes zero sense whatsoever. It just very much seems like a ploy to set up what is obviously going to be like wedding slash finale drama for them. Because, we, you know, there's been all those comments about like, oh, well, are they going to actually make it down the aisle? Stella's worried that it's going to be like her first marriage. And, you know, Severide's worried that his is going to turn out like his parents' marriage and yada, yada, yada. Like, we've had all that, like, you know, press going on. Mm-hmm. And, like, I guess this makes, I don't like it. It makes sense if you're trying to think about that, about, like, okay, so then they're going to be at odds and then something's going to happen and fellows can be like, oh, no, all that fighting is bullshit. Like, I care about, you, you know, like, it just seems to be clearly setting up unnecessary drama for the wedding. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, why? 
Like, so basically why? what we're going to do is we're going to have Stellarite at each other's throats until Kelly throws that guy out of the window and then they're going to reconcile. Is that what we're doing? Yeah, basically. I, that's what I see. I think something's going to happen to Severide and they're, you know, then Stella's going to be like, fuck everything else. Like, all we care about is each other. You know, yada, yada, yada. That's what's most important. Like, that's what it seems like. I don't like it. Me either. I just, like, I... They're they're about to get married, right? They're I I feel like I feel like they're they should be well above handling fights like toddlers now, right? The like the way Kelly got that line in, I was like, that no, no. Well, and we've never like I said, the thing that bugs me about it is we've just in even beyond this particular disagreement, we've never had any indication that Severide feels like Stella always gets her way. Right. So what makes him feel like I just I would like to know what makes Severide feel like that yep it's just real it just that line felt so out of character for yeah Severide. yeah, like, yeah so it, it just, did yeah it just it really I as soon as I was like wait what yeah, yeah. it that I mean I think I think everybody was using the word unnecessary which like that's exactly how it felt was unnecessary but you're you're spot on that that felt really out of character. Even though Kelly's not good at expressing feelings, he he is with Stella. So well, that and he, just, we've gotten to that point. I mean, otherwise, what was season eight and nine? I mean, like we've got it's been work, but Severide's gotten to that point where he, like you said, he has gotten better about expressing his feelings with Stella. Mm-hmm. So, like, like I said, I guess it just bugs me that like if he's been feeling this way, mm-hmm. then why haven't we seen it? Yeah, yeah. It's just not consistent. No. I mean, I get that you've got to have conflict and everything, but like, you know, it just, it just feels really weird. I, it feels, okay. Like, yeah, you've got to have conflict, but it just feels really forced when you throw it on the engaged couple. It just feels like we've got, just let them get married already so they can have like married, like, you know, face challenges together and overcome Mm -hmm. them rather than the challenge be something becoming between them yeah like i get it we're always gonna have obstacles it's television there's always gonna be drama but like just let them be married already so that they whatever obstacles they face they're facing them together rather than like at each other yeah yeah exactly exactly so it just anyway i mean of course every couple's gonna have their drama right of course and every couple's gonna have their conflict but not this not this this just felt so much like forced yeah just it doesn't feel like it's like authentically stellar ride it it just doesn't feel anything like i said it just feels like such forced i think i think if if you put in like take out stellar ride and put in bretzy or take out bretzy and put in like whichever couple you put in this situation Mm -hmm. i think it just feels like such forced drama for the sake of building up to the finale like it just I hated this moment I hated it same this is the whole episode fell apart for me after that like I said I there were parts of this episode I still really liked of course I really like the gala redemption stuff for me like I like the Hakami until we get to that ending too mm-hmm. but like I you know like I, I like this episode I thought it was a fine episode but yeah that ending scene is just like ugh. that wasn't it and now, of course, again, we're recording on Sunday. You guys have our, you guys know what the promo for next week looks like. We have no idea at this point, but like, I'm just, I'm not looking forward to it. Me neither. Me neither. Oh. 
Okay. So in happier news, kind of, not really given what happened, but Hakami and Emma. Oh man. I love Hakami. I love them so much. Okay. (laughs) So Violet fills Gallo and Ritter in on the whole Emma situation. And she's just like, she's gunning for my job. She already lied about me once. Who's to say she's not going to do it again. Um, but Violet, Gallo and Ritter are super cute. They're like, no, don't worry. Like, we've got you. We've got you. Now that we know what's going on, like, nothing is going to happen. Yeah. They're like, just three. keep your head down. Like, you know, you'll be fine. I love and, those Yeah. Three. I love that the trio has gotten back to being the trio yeah. we know and love. It's yeah. the best. So Violet and Emma take the guy from the construction incident to med and they drop him off. And Violet's filling out the paperwork. She mentioned something about restocking the jump bag. And... She's just being really cold to Emma, which like, I get this. Like, you know, when you don't like somebody and you just can't help it, you can't be the bigger person. You just like, like you you just, you've got to, you've just got to make it noticeable because you just don't like the person. I get it. So Emma's like, dude, I can do it. And Violet's like, no, I'm acting PIC. I'm going to do it. And so, I mean, Violet's being really mean, but also it's, you know, not completely unwarranted. So they get back to 51 and Emma goes straight to Gallo and asks him out. It was so random. She's just like, yeah, like let's go for drinks and dinner or something. And I love Gallo. Gallo's basically just like, LOL. No, like I'm too busy. I thought it was hysterical. Look, I'm all about shooting your shot, but like read the no. room. Read yeah. the room. Just, no. I, I, like I said, I love Gallo's reaction. I think even more. He's just like, uh, no. No. Okay. So then Bowden and Ritter and Violet, they're, they're eating breakfast and they're having their own conversation about like, whatever they're goofing and whatever. And Emma comes over and sits down and just out of nowhere. She's like, does anybody know a number for a florist? Like Emma. What? Read the room. Uh, at this point when she starts talking, like she had a friend who got in a car accident or something like that. And she was trying to find a florist. At that point, I kind of realized, like, I know you never saw what we do in the shadows. I only got a couple episodes in, but in that show, they have what's called an energy vampire, which is the most accurate thing I've ever heard in my life. It's the, it's the kind of person who like, it's kind of a Debbie Downer, right? And talking to them is really hard. You can only really handle them in small doses. And when you're done talking to them, they zap you of all your energy. Mm, I think you've told me that explain that to me before yeah so at that point when she starts talking about this I was like oh my god Emma's an energy vampire that's exactly what she is she just like kills the mood in the room and like leaves it's so accurate yeah. it's like I, if I get nothing else from that show at least I got that description which is just the most relatable thing I've ever heard so and then there's an episode where Vanessa Bayer comes in and she's an emotional vampire so like the, the energy vampire will just like talk about like really boring stuff and run you down. And then she's the one who's just like, my friend was in an accident and my dog died. And like, just goes on about all this terrible stuff. So accurate. Okay. Anyway, so she's talking about the florist and she's like, Hey, Violet, can I borrow your phone to look something up and see when it's open since I left my phone in the other room? Nobody does that. Nobody does yeah. that. Uh, and I mean, Bowden's sitting right there. So she's just like, I can't really say no. So she looks, she pulls up the browser, hands the phone over and Emma did look up the florist hours, but Violet and Ritter are just like, this is really weird, really weird. So when she gets the phone back, Violet even says, Violet's like, that's a little sus, no? I'm like, oh, cute little millennials, Gen Zers saying sus. So cute. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they definitely, you know, 
that, that was weird. I mean, if I don't have my phone on me, I don't ask to look at somebody else's. I just say, I'm going to look that up when I have my phone back. Yeah. Like, yeah. Apologies yeah. for working in the background. That's okay. Yeah. I would never say like, oh, just, I would just, yeah, I would never borrow someone's phone like that if it wasn't like an emergency or, you know, something like not just, you know, yeah, no, I would just go get my phone. I mean, I feel like that's like the ultimate betrayal of trust is going through somebody's phone. Like even with my fiance, if like we have each other's phone for whatever reason, even if it's just for a second and we're like, Hey, can you take this picture? Can you look this up? That is all you do. And then you hand it right back. Like, yeah. Well, and like, it's almost seems like the interaction is not long enough for her to look. Cause obviously once we see that she did look up the florist site, right? Like, so she, she did do, you know, obviously to cover her tracks, but like it also, the interaction doesn't seem like it's long enough for her to look through the text and also look up the florist website too. Like how, I mean, it, it doesn't seem like it's that long. So. Right. And she even pulled up the browser for you. Right. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. So weird. So weird. But then we get a Hakami date night. Oh, I love this scene so And not much. only that, but they went out for Japanese food, which was like so and cute. In public, like, oh my God, I've been waiting for long for them to actually like go somewhere. And granted, obviously it's of course outside of, you know, their probably area they would normally hang out in, but still I didn't even care. You know what I want between them? Like the ultimate goal is going to be for them to have a Linstead moment where, you know, uh, she's like, do you want to hold my hand in public now? And then like he pulls a J and just kisses her instead. Like I want that. Yeah. For Hakami. I just, what I'm dying, I need, I need to see Hawkins at Molly's. I'm waiting for the day that Hawkins can show up at Molly's, which I get it up until then. I get it up until now, right? Like, why he can't go but if they're starting to feel like they can maybe be out in public I need to see Hawkins at Molly's I need I need it I need it I feel so bad for them that they can't just be like fuck everybody and just go like out and be like we're together what of it right uh I wish they could but they cannot that's a bummer sorry I'm just adding Violet and Hawkins to my top ships of the year list while I'm still thinking about it (laughs) I mean duh I have to do these things right when I think of them. Otherwise I forget. And then I get mad. Okay. Honestly though. I mean, we are way far off from that. I I try to reevaluate like my top 10 ships period. Like lists every, you know, year, year and a half. They honestly could maybe crack the top, like top, top. Like I love, depending on what happens to them. I love them that much. I usually don't count myself at a top five. Like last year I had six. I'm already at four and it's May. Yeah. So not too shabby. Yeah. Not too shabby. Anyway. Um, yeah. So they're having this conversation at the, the, the Japanese place, which like, again, adorable because, you know, obviously Violet and Hanako, Japanese. So they get to talk about, you know, their heritage a little bit. That was cool. And, you know, and, and Hawkins is like, I know it's frustrating me not stepping in to transfer Emma, but I promise it was the right move. And Violet's like, well, why? Because the brass hasn't said a word in a minute. So He's like, you know what? I think this whole oversight thing is going to fade away. And then like, you can actually be an actual couple like out in the world, like flaunting your relationship all over Chicago for the world to see and being like, look, Chicago wins. We're fucking cute together. I want that. I want that for them. Yeah. Well, and honestly, the thing that I love about it too, more honestly, is like 
when he, you know, when she asked, she's like, you know, so you mean we'll actually get to like be a couple out in the world? And he's just like, that's what I'm thinking. The When the camera pans back to Violet's face and like the smitten look on her face, like she's so excited for that possibility. I mean, that is a woman in love. My God. I, I'm just, I, I can't with them. They're, it's so good. Like they kill me. They're just so cute. Yeah. I loved everything about this day i need more that's what i want more of i need more just like date night content from every honestly from any ship like i love just like a good date night like i just from any of the ships on any of the shows just give me a good date night yeah yep yep so emma gets out of 61 when she runs into mason and mason asks if she's okay which like sweet sweet mason just me and everybody's friend yeah because he's a good person and emma's gonna ruin him yeah Yep. We need, we need to get Chris Mance on the pod. Yes. Yeah, for sure. So they sit down and they're talking and she just claims she's like, they don't like me. I lied about my background. I do that sometimes. And Mason is like, no, like it's just cause you're new. And she's like, no, you're new. They like you. Um, yeah. Because he's not a shit stirrer. He contributes. Yeah. yeah. And oh, so he's like, well, you can always put in for regular floater shifts after you leave. Like, it's not a bad thing. And just, you know, sweet little Mason, just being sweet. You have sweet little Nathan and sweet little Mason. By the way, did you know that when we say Mason's name on the pod, like when I'm listening in my car, sometimes it sounds like we're saying Nathan. So I'll be driving sometimes and I'll just be like, who the fuck is Nathan? And I'm like, oh, Mason. No, I've never really paid attention to that, but that's funny. I listen in the car, whatever. Just me rambling. Okay. So 61 gets called out to, it's like a self-defense class where this girl accidentally triggered the pepper spray. Oh, that's so unfortunate, that poor thing. Uh, And so obviously now she can't breathe, but they go looking for the aerosol mask and it's missing. And Emma comes up with a solution. She's got like a makeshift solution and it works, but Violet's like, clearly shook this is such an Ava Becker thing to do oh my god it gives me such Ava Becker vibes oh so yeah so Ava and so they get back to 51 and Violet does not hold back and I'm so glad she just put it out there like she didn't beat around the bush or anything she was just like you know what fuck it I'm gonna accuse her and she's like that is not a mistake I would make I don't do that like I don't screw up not to that level and Emma looks hurt But then, you know, Violet feels really guilty about it. So she talks to Ritter and she's like, you know, she looked really hurt. So, you know, Ritter says, he's like, on the one hand, I can't see you messing up a restock, but I don't think Emma would risk somebody's life. Meanwhile, all of One Chicago Nation is out there and we're just like, but like we could see it because it's happened before. Oh my God. If this really, I mean, granted, it's not. Ava then slid I don't know if we're gonna go that far as like Emma then killing herself because of what she I don't think we're hopefully gonna go that far but yeah it gave me just such Ava Becker vibes I was like really we're doing this it's like really and why are we going back there because honestly that is not a one Chicago strong point like the Ava Becker Ava Becker era no 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 yeah not a good time in one Chicago history but yeah it just like and it, like Ritter says, it is crazy. Like if she really risked a patient's life just because she wants to stay, she wants to stay at 51 so bad and take Violet's place that she then risked a patient's life. She should lose her. I don't know, licensed uh, job. What I, I mean, I don't know what if paramedics are licensed. I don't know what that word is that I'm looking for, but like she should not be able to have it once it comes out that she did that. 
Mm-hmm. Like she should not be able to be a paramedic anymore. Ever. No. Anywhere. Not even just at 51, but like anywhere, any city. Like, no, no, no. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, like, you're depending on these people, right? If you have an accident or something, you don't want to, I don't want to go out because some medic has a vendetta against somebody else. Right. Like, I mean, granted, it would still not be great, of course, but if it was a mistake, okay, like I said, that's still bad, but it's a mistake. Mm-hmm. Right. But because you purposefully did that, like, what the fuck? What the fuck indeed? What the fuck indeed? Okay. So the second to last scene of the episode, Emma is standing outside the wherever the CFD ivory tower headquarters, headquarters I guess, yeah. wherever, wherever Hawkins works. Yeah. <laughs> wherever Hawkins works. It's nighttime and she's waiting for Hawkins outside the building. First off, creeper, creeper. Right. It is 2022. Like make an appointment. What? Like how long? I mean, granted, I'm sure it clearly looks like Hawkins has worked over because it's that dark outside. Mm-hmm. But like, how long has she been standing out there? Like, how did you know exactly when he was going to walk out the building? Right. That's a great question. Has she just been waiting out there for like five hours? But also you're in the middle of downtown Chicago alone at night and you're just going to wait outside that building. It's just weird. Weird. You could not catch me dead standing outside in my hometown's downtown area, like alone at night. You would never catch me dead doing that. No. Mm-mm. Okay, so then we get this. Jacobs, you waiting for me? Hi, Chief. Uh, yeah, I, I need to talk to you about something pretty urgent. Okay. Um, I need to talk to you about something really dangerous that happened last shift. Violet didn't restock the jump bag, and we almost lost a patient because of it. Um... I find that hard to believe. Why? Because you think that she would never ever make a mistake or because you're sleeping with her? What? Yeah, I overheard her talking about it. Then I happened to see her phone and wow, you two text each other constantly. Some of it very personal. It's none of your business. What are you really doing here, Jacobs? Well, the way I see it, you have two options. You can transfer Violet to another house and give me the spot at 51, or I can file a report with witness statement saying Violet's negligence almost killed someone and she gets fired. And if you try to step in and defend her to the brass, it's pretty easy for me to mention you're not exactly impartial. So think on it, okay? This bitch. Like I said, I saw, I mean, the writing was on the wall that like, this is kind of what was going to end up happening, but it still didn't make me like it anymore. I hate her. I fuck Emma. Fuck Emma. The confidence with which she gave him that ultimatum. I was like, excuse me, ma'am. The audacity. Mm -hmm. Like. Hmm. And like, mm-hmm. he, like, even the way Hawkins fired back to, we never even hear that. Like, we never hear that tone out of him. How he was like, that's none of your business. Yep. Like, you pissed him off. Yeah. I just. Mm. Oh, this bitch. I can't stand her. But he can't do anything that involves Violet because it, it, if he does anything that involves her, it's going to be seen as him like tampering. As much as I hate her, Emma's got them well trapped. 
Emma's got them like exactly where she wants them. Like she knew, I mean, like she knew, I mean, she has to have been planning this for a while, right? Because she obviously, I'm sure when she found out about Violet Hawkins, she then realized, like she, she knew she had to have been planning this for a while. She's just, I mean, as much as I hate the bitch, she's smart. She, she got them right where she wants them. Damn it. I know. I don't like it. Because she knows. I mean, like, like you said, he can't do anything about it without it then firing back on Violet. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it, it, she, they're trapped. And I guess that leads me to my question. What happened? Like, what happens? Like, because obviously we know from the episode description next week, Hawkins and Gallo, Gallo goes to Hawkins about Violet. I'm assuming presumably about Emma. And they're going to hopefully work together to bring Emma down. But like, where do we go from here? Is there a chance that Emma is the death? That Emma is the death? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But even then, I feel like that would, I don't know in what situation Emma would die, but I feel like then that also would look bad on Violet. Right. And then it's a question of like, but how does it happen? Right. Well, And then I feel like then someone's going to accuse Violet of retaliating towards Emma for what Emma, you know, Emma being not great to her or whatever. And then it's gonna be like, oh, shit, is Violet go down for murder? And it's like, no, Violet did not go down for murder. We don't yeah, need to end up in that nobody situation. Knows. Nobody knows except for Gallo and Ritter and Hawkins. No, but what I'm saying, if it were to have, say it comes out before that, right, then mm-hmm. Emma dies. And then it's like, looks like Violet, then I'm sure they set up Violet for like, Violet to be the one that did it. and it's like oh did Violet retaliate against Emma and then it's like oh did Violet get accused of- we don't need that such so, no I I so no I don't think Emma dies I don't think Emma's the death I hope that when Gallo goes to see Hawkins Hawkins kind of lets Gallo in on what's going on with the ultimatum and then like they were Gallo together. and Ritter are on board to help like defeat this we need that I mean not only just to put to bed the love triangle for good but like we need that. Like, that's the content we want is Hawkins working together with the other two most important people in Violet's life mm-hmm. to help her. Like, that's the content we need. What did we manifest in last week's episode? We manifested something. About I, what? I, I, I can't remember. We manifested something, but I feel like we need to do oh, it again. Was Let's it just... about Hawkins? I mean, as long as honestly, though, I think anything will end up fine. As long as Hawkins isn't the death, I don't really care. Oh, God. And I don't think it is. I think at this point, I'm fully convinced it's not. I was so mad. Yeah. (laughs) So mad. But no, but like, I mean, this whole ultimate, it's like they're in such a sticky situation. We're going to manifest. Okay. Sometime this week, a deadline article is going to drop and it is going to say Jimmy Nicholas up to series regular for Chicago Fire season 11. We're just going to manifest that. That's what it's going to say. Manifest, manifest. It's going to happen this week. It's going to happen this week. It's going to be awesome. We're watch. Be super excited. Watch. You just manifested instead, like the deadline article that tells us Brian T's leaving. Watch that you manifested that instead. I specifically said that I'm not manifesting that. So I don't think that that's not how manifesting works. <laughs> jinxing is more like maybe by jinxing that deadline gives us something good. The deadline's actually going to bring us something Bad. how manifesting works i should take what i learned from the dr strange movie and like dream walk into like the writer's room <laughs> <laughs> and, and and make him a regular so that like it's all fixed yeah exactly yeah, just dream walk in just yeah but <sighs> yeah 
Okay, one last theory real quick. Okay, yeah. so there was that picture that Lulo posted on Friday of mm-hmm. Jimmy and Hanako and Caitlin. And it was like right outside the firehouse. And Jimmy and Hanako were both in regular clothes. And uh, Emma, I was like trying to, I was like, I can't think of the word. And Emma, well, Caitlin was in her like uniform. Mm-hmm. Do we think Violet gets suspended? Like it ends up with Violet getting suspended because because. Uh, Hawkins can't do shit about it and then like Emma you know goes they take Emma down and then Violet gets her job back maybe and that's why they're in their street clothes yeah maybe but also Hawkins is in street clothes too so he's got to get he's the one who's got to get suspended too why would he get suspended but he I don't know I'm just trying I'm just trying to reconcile I don't know I did laugh there there were a couple fan theories floating around on Twitter somebody was like oh my god is, is Hawkins in cuffs but I literally think it was just Jimmy had his hands behind his back yeah <laughs> at like, this point the fan theories do get like I mean obviously there was the one about the bruised knuckles and like we never got any men I think that was just Jimmy's knuckles like sometimes this fandom as much as I love it can go a little too far we're stressed out okay there is That's no true. shame one Chicago nation. We are stressed out. It's okay. Yeah. No judgment. This is a judgment free zone. But it's gonna yeah. be okay. so I don't know. I'm just, I was just curious why Hanako was in street clothes and Caitlin was not. I don't know. I don't know. I yeah. wish I knew because I'm with you. The, the season finale that stresses me out the most is the, more, the closer we get, the fire finale is stressing me out the most. Yeah, I'm not worried about Med. I'm not. Well, I'm worried about Med only for Brian. Like that kind of being up in the air. That's really the only reason I'm worried about mm-hmm. Med. I'm more, I guess, excited and curious than anything. PD, it's going to be a Voight finale. Like I'm not that stressed about it. I hope so. I'm pretty sure it's going to be a Voight finale. Fire, I'm like, I'm like so stressed about fire. It's not even funny. Let us live, Gwen Segan. Just let us live. Like, I just let us direct all of our stress towards fire and not have to split any of it towards PD. Just please. Like, yeah, like I said, I'm fire, fire, I'm stressed about. Yeah. Loki, I'm not even low key. I'm stressed about fire. I'm just going to come. I, I am stressed about fire. And, like, last year was pretty stressful, just, like, leaving squad in Lake Michigan. So, I mean, the fact that they're set to top it this season, I'm like, what? But I will say this. Last year's finale, the last five minutes were stressful. Otherwise, last year's finale was a great finale. I loved last year's finale. That was a great finale. Until the last five minutes. That was stressful. I wasn't as worried about last year's finale. This year, I'm like, I don't even, there's 20 million theories. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just like, oh my God. Well, not, yeah. So I, I remember back to the season when Herman got stabbed. I can't remember what season that is, but. Four. That's the four mid-season. This is all the reasons we don't talk about four. <laughs> like We really need the, like, we don't talk about season four shirt. We I'll work really, on it. I will work on it. No, we don't talk about season four. No, no, no. No, we don't talk about season four. But actually we do because all the bad things that have ever happened have come in season four. Okay. So Except for Selican. That year specifically, I remember that. This was also the, this was 2015. And I remember this because Derek had just released a book and I actually went to his book signing here in town and got to meet him. Um, and we had talked about the whole Patterson thing because, you know, I was like, I, I thought I was like a big deal coming in and talking to him. And I was like, so tell me about this. Tell me about that. Like, obviously this is like 
pre-podcast Gina, like, you know, we wonder why the podcast exists now is because, you know, we come in with the hardening questions. So I remember it was season four. And I just remember like Derek had hyped it up so much to the point that we had gotten to the finale and Herman got stabbed. And literally my reaction in that moment was, that's not bad. I can work with that. So I'm hoping that that is the case for this finale. Knowing Derek and knowing the firewriters, it will not be the case, but I'm hoping that that is the case. Yeah. I hope this isn't as bad as we think it is, but like, uh. yeah, yeah. Right. When you're just like, this can't be that stressful. Like just watch. But is it a good thing that we are that stressed? Cause then hopefully it won't be that bad. Like if, we're, if it's the opposite, right? Like it can't be that bad. Oh man, it turns out to be bad. Like, oh man, we think it's going to be that bad. Maybe it's not going to be that bad. I think Derek and Andrea, hi, if you're listening, um, I think <laughs> that they have us right where they want us. I know. I know. Yeah. I know. They've got us right them, where they want us. We're going to ask them all our finale questions when we talk to them. And Derek's just going to do his Derek thing and troll. And yep. like, they're not going to be able to answer any of them. And they yep. know that we're going to be, it's just, they know. They, they know. know. They know. They know. And this is why I know people don't like that they do press and I don't necessarily like it either heading into the finale because it's always only them. Like we never hear from Andy and Diane leading into med finales. We never hear from Gwen leading into PD finales. Always only Derek and Andrea, but like they do it because they know, they know, they know, they know y'all out there. One Chicago nation. Think of how lucky we are that the showrunner of our favorite show is this accessible though that he's willing to answer these questions and he's willing to be peppered with all these questions about like, what's going to happen? What about this? What about that? We are lucky. Okay. We just, are. We, we, we are lucky. We really are. We are. Yeah. So I can't wait. I can't wait to talk to Derek and Andrea. It's, it's I'm gonna be so blast. excited. As yeah. much as I, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm excited. It's been a, a definitely an interesting season. I'm excited to talk to them. Um, I guess while we're talking about it, if you guys have questions for them, their interview is on the book. So just go ahead and you can start sending them to us, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So take them. I'm excited. I remember when I was like big into Once Upon a Time, how like, I think maybe it was like bi-weekly or something like that, but the showrunners from Once Upon a Time, they would do exactly what Derek did where they would do like a bi-weekly Q&A and they would post script pages and stuff. And it was my favorite thing in the world. So again, yeah. remember, like we are lucky to have this much access, okay? We're lucky that he's willing to speak to the fandom. We're lucky. Just yep. remember that. We're very, very lucky. So speaking of Herman, since I was talking about the time he got stabbed, um, let's move into that. So take it away. All right. So we get a nice, just a nice little Herman storyline. Always nice to see Herman have a little, a little something. Um so some guys named Sean stops by the firehouse to see Herman. Apparently his wife is in book club with Cindy. Um, he's about to open a bar and want some advice. So this is when truck and squad get called out to the construction call. So Herman takes him into the common room, you know, starts telling him all this advice, whatever. When they come back from the construction call, Mouch walks in and Mouch just starts telling Sean, like basically all of the Molly's horror stories. <laughs> It's so funny. He's like, oh, yeah, remember that time you got stabbed? Remember blah, 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 blah? Like, remember, remember the fire from the ice like, machine? Yeah, like, yeah. I He's like, we still survive. Back. It's just, it. it was, it was like a couple of nice callbacks, like, right in a row. It was just really fun. So good. Um, but, yeah, Sean's, like, very excited. He loves Herman's advice. And he's, yeah, he's, he's like, oh, yeah, I've got a lot to think about. 
So he comes into Molly's the next night and basically invites Herman to his soft opening the next day. And Herman's like, ah, well, I'm on shift. And Charles like, that's even better. Like bring the whole rig, like, you know, yada, yada, yada. And Herman's like, okay, I'll see what I can do. So engine rolls up to the bar the next day and it is quite similar to Molly's. I mean, it is Molly's. Yeah. Well, first of all, it's named Ollie's. <laughs> And not even like O L L I E like O L L Y. Um, has the same tune quotes, same firefighter decor, despite the guy never even being a firefighter, same beers on tap, like it's literally a replica. Hat from the Halloween costume. It was hysterical. <laughs> oh my god. And the twinkle lights were so pathetic. Yeah. And Herman is so Herman goes, well, Herman goes full Herman, and he is so mad. He starts yelling at this poor guy, Sean, about being a thief and yada, yada, yada. And Herman basically just like storms out. So Herman and Mouch go so far as to consult a lawyer. I mean, a sports lawyer, but still a lawyer that and Cindy comes in and she is pissed. (laughs) She's like, basically, for the sake of avoiding book club drama, like talk to him again, like see if he'll change to the court. Like this is not worth the book club drama. So Herman, because he always listens to Cindy, he goes back to see Sean at Ollie's and basically he gives him some advice about the secret to Molly's success being the people. He's like, you know, you have to find your own thing. He's like, you've got to ask yourself, like, who is Shonda Grimes? And Sean decides he's like, well, I was an accountant before this. He's like, so maybe I could make it an accountant bar. And he's like, that's original. And Herman's just like, yeah, sure. Like, okay um but yeah just a nice little herman storyline um we haven't seen like a ton a ton of herman this year but this is this was good this was good i liked how cindy was like he's just like his wife like good intentions but not the brightest (laughs) yeah i loved it so much that was really funny really funny Uh, any other notes about fire i mean i think we've yelled about fire enough this week yeah Yep. Just fuck Emma. That's I'll just end it. Fuck Emma. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, just that's the, yeah. Fuck Emma. Yeah. That might be the teaser clip on Instagram. <laughs> fuck Emma. No disrespect to Caitlin, but fuck Emma. No, no disrespect to Caitlin. Emma. Yeah. Emma. All right. It's PD time. Let's stretch it. It's Sunday afternoon. Yes. It is not Thursday night, but we're still going to stretch it. Exactly. This episode. Oh boy. Uh, I don't know what I expected this episode to be, but this was not it. This wasn't it? No. I prepped for the worst. I didn't even hope for the best. I just prepped for the worst. I just, yeah, prepped for the worst. And I was, I wouldn't say pleasantly surprised, but I had that moment where I was like, this was not as bad. Okay. This was not that bad. I can work. No, I thought, I mean, granted, I think talking about Berzik and where Berzik goes and the stance on their relationship aside, I actually really like this episode. The case was very well done. The case was incredible. And that's what I, I thought I'm this looking- was one of the best cases of the year. I'm looking, I'm trying to look up right now who wrote this episode because like, wow. Well, and it's also hard because we're in, again in the past. So it may not be out there on who wrote this episode, but yeah, the case is 
unbelievable. This is a great episode. Versic aside, this is and a this great episode. And this just makes me wonder how far, in, like, how does the writer's room work, right? Like, do they all break these stories together? And then, like, when you have to go and write the episode, how long do they have? Because this episode, like, this case was so complex and intricate, and the details were fantastic. It's well, just, and it's like, how? And it's so different, too, from Med and Fire, because obviously Med and Fire, like, all three shows both have, like, cases that then reflect the personal right yeah but this like you said it's the cases are so intricate and they take place over the whole episode so you have to kind of know somehow in advance like you said you have to then get the details of the case right but you also have to know that it's going to reflect the personal because like in this case the memory stuff with like remembering and the trauma and like obviously reflecting Michaela and the whole situation like yeah the plane I would love to know how this works yeah. We got to get Gwen on this podcast. Please, please, Gwen. We don't want spoilers. We just want to pick your brain because you have the coolest job in the world. <sighs> I want Gwen on the pod so bad. Can I put that on my wish list for next season? Like, does that count <laughs> as a wish? Okay. So we start off this episode. Kim and Adam are meeting with Michaela's therapist. Just the fact that those two are together in a therapeutic situation. I'm just like, oh my God. Like, it's like, hallelujah, hallelujah, how far we've come. Holy shit. Yeah. So the therapist is like, listen, like, I get that Michaela's coping really well right now, but like, she might one day, like, remember what happened. And Kim is just kind of like, no, like, that's ridiculous. She's, she's fine. She's fine. She was drunk the whole time. She's fine. And the therapist is like, no, nope, like, trust me, she might one day remember. And so we shift over to Kim and Adam and Michaela playing at the park. Oh my God. Like, ugh. I feel like I've been waiting. This scene got, the pictures got leaked from filming a while ago. So I feel like I've just been waiting for this scene for like weeks and weeks and weeks. And it's not so much the Kim and Michaela part of it that like gives you the feel. It's the Adam and Michaela interaction that really like killed me this episode. So well- Good. And I was going to say, in this scene, too, it's just nice to see them. I get it. Things between Kim and Adam still aren't great. Of course, they're not. Like, it's not just going to go back to being all sunshine and roses. Mm-hmm. But the fact that there can be platonic and be in the same space for Michaela is like, a, I'm like, oh, I like this. Like, I like the fact that they're still being good around Michaela because that's what Michaela needs. Michaela needs both of them. She doesn't need just one or the other. She needs both of them. Yeah. She does. That still does concern me a little bit that like they're able to be platonic with each other and like civilized. If they're only able to be civilized with each other just because of Michaela, that still makes me worry for them. That's like when couples stay together for the sake of the kids. And I don't think it's just for Michaela, but I do like seeing the fact that they're still like, because I mean, the way that 17 ended with Adam going back to the undercover apartment, I thought that was like it. I didn't know if Adam was even going to be around anymore. Like, Mm -hmm. it just seemed like shit had really, like, that there was no coming back. So the fact that they can even be, like, the three of them at the park, like, and still, like, kind of goof around, like, it was just nice to see that, because I did not expect that. It was just nice to see that. So nice. And even in the little details, I love this, how, like, they they basically cut to that scene of her in the park. Like, they basically use, like, her giggle, and then they cut to her in the park, and, like, Adam puts her on the swing. Oh, my God. Just, like, yeah, domestic berserk. My heart. Just, like, ugh. So, while she's swinging and having the time of her life, Kim just mentioned, she's, like, hey, got a call from the landlord, that three-bedroom, like, it's still available. Uh, 
but she mentioned she's like, I was still going to take it for me and Michaela. Hope that's okay. And Adam's like, no, that's fine. So after 17, the plan was for them to never move in together, which just reaches me all over again. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Okay. So then Adam's like, okay, well, I got to go to Disco Bob's. Um, you know, I'll see Mac later. And he even says, he's like, Mac, got to go like later, whatever. And then they catch a scene. So Kim's like, all right, I guess Max going to Disco Bob's. And we even get that super cute little like, bye, mom. It's so cute. It's so cute. At first, I wasn't a fan of like her calling her mom. I kind of wanted that intro into like, you know, I wanted that scene of Kim being like, you can call me mom. But that one was cute. It's really cute. Yeah, super, super cute. So Kim and Haley are the first ones at the scene. Oh, this is so creepy too. Okay, so... Isn't it crazy how like lullabies kind of like straddles that line between like being lullabies or being fucking creepy? Yeah. Depending on the context. Yes. Kind of interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So they roll up to this house. This house is so creepy. There is blood everywhere. Everywhere. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this lullaby is playing and the food is still on the table. There's like a children's book like splayed out on the floor. And then they go upstairs to the bedroom and this couple is murdered in bed. Pretty much. There's just like the couple and a shit ton of blood. And the tub is full of bleach. It's gruesome. Yeah. Like it's some horror movie shit. Ooh. Okay. So there's no blood spatter anywhere though. So what they what they're able to gather is that yeah, the tub is full of bleach. There's blood in the bed, obviously, but this guy knew what he was doing because the whole thing had been scrubbed. Well, and even the crime scene text, like, this is the cleanest scene I've ever seen in my entire 30 years of doing this. Yeah. Yeah. So crazy. So they don't have any witnesses either. There's nothing. There's no security cam footage, no murder weapon, nothing. So Burgess goes and runs through all, like, like, the past database of, like, any past crimes that had happened, you know, anything that she can find as, like, some sort of precedent. And she runs Bleach Bath and Lullaby. And it comes up with this case from like 28 years ago about this kid named Daniel and how he was found at a rest stop covered in bleach and the case was never solved. So Burzik go to visit him and he's just like, I don't want any part of this. Like people come by every now and then so that they can solve the cold case. Like, I don't want it. I've moved on. And they're just like, no, no, wait, like you're, you don't understand. Like this might've happened again. So then he's like, oh shit. Okay. I want to help. So he basically goes in for questioning and he, he tells him the whole story and how people did not believe him. He tells his whole story about like, you know, he's like, I remember birds. I remember like these curtains. I remember pink dust, but people told me that it wasn't real. And they said that I was so traumatized that I just made stuff up. And he remembered a mom and dad and an RV and just, that's it. So he's like, I'm wasting your time. And Berzik's just like, no, actually you're not. Like we might have something. So they still don't have enough to connect the case to what's currently going on, but Voight's like, keep working, keep going. So Adam, meanwhile, is like, hey, is it cool if Matt comes with me to Disco Bob's again? And the reasoning being, she found some baby pictures of Adam when she was there, and she thought he looked like mashed potatoes, so she wants to find more. It's so cute. That's (laughs) like the cutest thing I've ever, like, oh my god. (laughs) That is hilarious. Well, I love how Kim even got a laugh out of it. Like she, she, like when he says that, like she laughs and she's like, that's fine. Like, I'll just keep working. And she's like, and then this is where it kind of gets a little awkward because she's like, I'll meet you back at our house. I I mean, my apartment. And it's just like, 
Don't fight it, Kim. Don't fight it. Yeah. But no, the whole I Michaela the Michaela Fanny baby pictures is really cute. Mm. I'm also surprised that Kim was so willing to let Adam take her to Disco Bob's. I thought for sure there would be a lot more trepidation there. Well, and this is again, we've harped on it a lot. I'm not gonna go into so much, but this is I think kind of where again Petey not having as much balance and the fact that we haven't gotten really any Burzik continuation since 17, I definitely think hurts us. Because mm-hmm. I think if we had a more balanced show, we would have gotten a scene of them maybe not patching things up entirely, but working things out. And then maybe we'd see why Kim is okay, you know, for Michaela to take or Adam to take Michaela. You know, like I feel like there's definitely just missing scenes that because of the balance we don't get but like are necessary I feel like Kim doesn't realize that it takes a lot of energy for her to push Ruzik away to the degree that she has like Mm -hmm. I feel like it's it's such a conscious decision for her at this point that like I feel like she knows deep down that like he's in okay he's not going anywhere he is not gonna hurt either one of us again like He's in. There's nothing wrong with the situation. So she's like consciously looking for reasons to just push him away and like exclude him. It's taking a lot of energy. And I feel like she would, you know, if she would just like let that guard down, that she would realize that. Yeah. That's a good point. I don't know. I don't know. So as Kim is working through Daniel's file, she comes across these evaluations from this therapist. And so she goes and visits the therapist and he's like, I always knew somebody would come to me about this case. And the only reason is because nobody else believed him except for the therapist. The therapist is the only one who believed him. And he was like, I can tell when a child is loved, like you can tell. And this kid had that, you know? So he says, you know, the cops kept everything relevant, but you know, he continued to see Daniel after the case. And he said, he's like, I don't think he was abused. Like, There was just a gut instinct in him that was like, I don't think so. So then Kim returns home to Michaela and Adam watching videos on Adam's phone. Oh my God. My God. Like, oh my God. When she was like, Kim was like, this is the last video. Okay. And and Max like, okay. Yeah. And it's a good one too. I figured she was watching like goofy cat videos or something. Yeah. I did not think she was going to be watching like personal videos of her and Adam doing like a silly dance and costume. Like I did not think that's where we were going with this at all. Cut to Patty and like a pink sparkly cape. What? Like, I know I need to see like the full version not well first of all I need to see full version I also need to see it like somebody needs to post that on Instagram so we can see it more clearly than just like the camera showing it us on the phone like I need I need the like high quality version of this a that is the cutest thing I've ever seen and b there that was not Adam and Michaela that was Patty and Ramona uh, oh duh. had to be duh just like inject everything about this scene into my veins. I just, yes. I love this. Oh my goodness. And like Kim can't help but smile while she sees it, right? Like, again, this is, it goes back. She she knows that Adam is like, Adam is good. And she knows that he loves her. And she knows that he loves Michaela. And she just, she's making a conscious effort to push him away. And it's just like, girl, if you would just stop for a second, you would realize that's draining your energy, honey. Like, well, and I love to, like, because it gives Lars some Mac-ass Adam if he's going to, like, do bedtime. And, like, Adam has to, like, look at Kim. And Kim's like, yeah, it's fine. And he's like, yeah, of course. And so then, of course, they go off to do bedtime. Which, like, random side note about this. Kim, 
Adam and Michaela walk towards the kitchen. I could have sworn Michaela's room was off of the like living room. Not off the kitchen. No, they walk towards the kitchen. No, wait, wait. You know what though? It might actually be off the kitchen because we the episode, I think after she was taken. No, 17. It was 17. Um, when Patty gets home and like uh Patty, Adam gets home <laughs> and Kim is just shutting the door, it's right off the kitchen. Okay. I just, it, it really threw me for a loop because I could have sworn it was like the other direction, like down the hall. And I was like, I saw them go towards the kitchen. I was like, wait, since when is Michaela's room off the kitchen? If you go back to 17, it's, yeah, it is right off the kitchen. But I feel like, okay, I yes, Alpha 17, I feel like that's right. But I feel like off the kidnapping, it's not. I feel like that, like, and I'd have to go back and watch it. But I feel like it was just something that threw me for a loop, but I could have sworn like when the kidnapping happens and they go to Michaela's room and then they come back, I could have sworn they come like back down the hall. This is just like how when Erin was around, like sometimes she lived in apartment 310 and sometimes she lived in apartment 312. It was just kind of like, you just never really knew. Just depended on the day. Like I said, I'd have to go back and watch, but it was just something that threw me. I was like, wait, why are they going towards the kitchen? That doesn't make sense. Michaela's room is not by the kitchen. But also um, just how like, happy Adam was when she like she she was like you're gonna do bedtime right and Adam was like I would love to do bedtime oh kill me kill me Dadum, you guys I'm like I just Adam we need a Adam and Michaela like Dadum shirt we need it we need we need Dadum merch okay so what are the merch ideas we have from this we have the Doris one we had Dadum and then the we don't talk about season four okay yeah Kind of remember all these. Okay. Okay. So Kim's going through a folder, like after Michaela goes to sleep, whatever. So she's going to a folder of this kid's drawings and everything. And she starts to put things together. So she goes back to the Grace's house. This is the, the couple that was murdered. And she goes up into the attic and the pink dust was the insulation. Kim, you little genius. Yeah. And you can enter like every single row house from the attic, which yes. is creepy AF. Oh. I did not even realize that is so creepy. I literally get chills so just creepy. even thinking about that. And Holy that Kelly his victims was based on the row houses. Like I could never live. This is one of those things that like, not that I have plans to live in a row house, but I could never live in a row house after this. Like, I just, I, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. I can't. I know, I know. And there was something so satisfying about seeing Kim brief them on this. And she had all of intelligence outside and she was like, so this is the Nexus. He targeted them based on row houses because the row houses were built like this. And she just like slayed it out. I was like, oh, oh, go little rock star. Yes, please. Yeah. All good. Okay. Take it from here, Brenna. Okay. So like you said, so basically Daniel's telling the truth. Like you said, Kim explains that the Nexus is the buildings. So basically they're like, okay, well, we're going to start with like the building company who built the houses and like try to go from there. At first, it seems like they hit a dead end until they end up realizing that that same company built like other sets of row houses. So they start like splitting up to go check those out. So Kim and Adam go to visit one of these like sets of row houses and they find this like creepy older guy just like hanging outside watching couples walk by like sneakily taking pictures like really creepy really creepy so they start following him and they end up finding out from his plate number that his name is jim wheaton and turns out he's got a ton of peeping tom charges he's a carpenter he just like fits every you know he fits everything and so kim is like he's this is our guy 
And so he's like, Jay and Haley, like, don't let him escape. Like, don't let him go clear up evidence, like bring him in. So they do. But this guy is so, what makes this so creepy is like, he says nothing. He hardly says any words, but he, so they're like asking him questions, trying to get him to talk. And like, he won't say anything. He just sits there. Did it not irk you though, the circumstances on which they brought him in? Did that irk you at all? I don't say, I, it didn't irk me because I get, like, I get it. I get their point of they were trying to stop him from cleaning up evidence. But like, I mean, Void even says, like, Void's like, well, without any evidence, like, we can't really do anything. So like, you've got 48 hours. You already brought him in. Like, you've got 48 hours. Like, you better find something to make it sick. Mm, this bugged me a little bit. This did, because I mean, instinct is not enough to hold a person, right? What I would have loved to have seen, which we never would have because continuity timing and, you know, Jake and Kate don't interact ever. I would have loved to have seen Jay kind of have the alarm bell go off in his head and be like, wait a second, you're getting this guy based on a feeling. Remember that time I did this in season seven and almost died? Yeah. Yeah. That bugged me a little bit how like the only thing that the only suspicion that they had was this guy taking pictures on a flip phone. Yeah. I guess what also, and now that, now that you're saying that doesn't make any sense. Okay. You brought him in, right? At this point, what's done is done. You've already brought him in. Mm -hmm. If you really thought he was hiding evidence in his house, why don't you get a search? Couldn't they find a way to get a search warrant and like go get said evidence? Like, why did they then have to like, figure the rest out like go for like I mean I guess because they probably wouldn't have got a search warrant if they don't really have any reason but still if Illinois is this if, if Illinois is in any way shape or form similar to my home state then by snatching him up they could have claimed an exigent circumstance and that they thought evidence was going to be destroyed and then they wouldn't have needed a search warrant they would have had to go through a lot more hoops to get a search warrant but imagine if this wasn't the guy you just traumatized this guy for life you just yeah. snatched him up on the street, interrogated him, searched through his home, invaded his privacy for no reason, and you were wrong. I and think the-, the thing that doesn't bother me as much about it is because we've had it happen before. I mean, like, not necessarily to the extent of Jay, but, like, we've had them snatch up people all the time, even though they're not 100% certain that that's the guy. So, like, to me, it just didn't just, it just, again, right or wrong is, a, I guess, a different conversation but it just it happens all the time in this world this irked me a little bit i didn't really think about it honestly (laughs) um but yeah so boyd's like you guys bet you got 48 hours you better find some evidence so kim brings in daniel to see if like watching this guy like sparks anything but like nothing comes to him so then she gets the idea to bring him up to the bullpen to look at all the boards and like see if anything that way triggers him and something does the picture of the book that's the lullaby book or whatever that's like laying down on the ground is the same one that he was read when he was you know this all happened and then he sees the picture of the motel and he's like i think i've been there he's like i think this is where it happened so kim and adam go check it out they find when they go into one of the empty hotel room or motel rooms they find out like the same curtains that Daniel was talking about it has the same style attic that the row houses did pink insulation like it fits So clearly Daniel, again, is telling the truth this whole time. So 
all of CPD, they like take out this, like a ton of CPD. They start searching through the woods near there to see like what evidence they could find. Bursa comes across, ends up coming across the RV that Daniel's family used to live in. And then like someone else finds two bodies, which turns out to be Daniel's parents. And like Jim's DNA was on them. Like, obviously that's now the evidence that links him, whatever. But like, he still doesn't, like Kim goes in to tell him that like, yeah, you're basically going to jail for life on like multiple murders. And he just still doesn't say anything, except he does ask Kim whether or not she's a good mother. And that is just, it's creepy AF. Oh, it's so creepy. I do love if, that Kim got in his face, though. If we hadn't had Michaela just be kidnapped, I would have been afraid for Michaela. <laughs> right? Like, that's one of those moments where, like, you're like, oh, fuck. Like, but she just got kidnapped, so I wasn't worried about it. But, like, I probably would have otherwise. It's so creepy. Um, but we do have this really nice moment, like, in the RV, they found, like, some camcorder footage from, you know, Daniel's family. And so they plug it in on the TV and show him. And it's just, I really like that moment. The, the fact that they were able to bring this guy closure was really, yeah, like, heartwarming. Yeah. And, of course, no one else could except for intelligence, because intelligence is the best. Uh, yeah. So... This episode ends with Kim and Adam bringing Michaela back to Disco Bob's while they have a drink and we have this ending moment. Your dad's place is a weird spot to want to have a drink. He's still not back? Uh, no. No, he's not coming back. (laughs) He called me this morning and apparently the best way to get out of debt is to stay in Florida and play the ponies. So, that's perfect. Perfect. I'm going to buy it. I loved this house growing up. My childhood, I mean, you know. Yeah. Wasn't the best. But this house, man, this house was. Always full of light. Big-ass yard. Best hiding spots in the neighborhood for capture the flag banister you could climb the banister and won't ever fall out i have the best memories here so i'm buying the house for mac for us for you look i can keep the undercover apartment i'm not moving in but you can't buy me a house why not i mean i get it We're, we're not perfect right now i get that but why not this Kim, she might remember. I know. I know. Either way, we can give her all the best memories in the world. To protect her from that, we can give her that here. Together. Why not? I'm dead. Like, R.I.P. me. Oh, my God. Like, that is the ultimate act of love. Yeah. And it's not even about him. Like, no way in, no way in for, like, this is about them. Like, he wants it for Michaela. He wants it for Kim by default. But, like, he wants it really for Michaela. Because he's, he, you know, he cared. Like, it's, this is just the best. The way that he's, like, 
since we have that power to make things right and give her a good life, why shouldn't we? Why not? Oh, like, and in no way, shape, or form is this about him. Like I said, I mean, like it is so selfless. Oh my god, yes, it is truly about Michaela in this moment. It's emotional. Like he's he's just like I'm not moving in. I'm buying this for Mac and for you. Okay, but do you, uh, so obviously it ends in like kind of a cliffhanger, right? Because he's like, you know, we can give her all the best memories, like to protect her from that. Like we can give her that here. Like why not? Mm-hmm. And then we don't see Kim. You know, Kim doesn't agree yet. Like we don't see any of that. It just fades to black. Do you think? I mean, Kim takes him up on it. She has to, right? I hope so. I really hope so. I hope for Michaela's sake. I she doesn't. You know, I hope for Michaela's sake. She sees what Adam's saying and like does it. Right. And there's always the option for Adam to move in. Yep. Once they get their shit together. There's always that option. Right. Yep. I really hope so. Because I mean, he's got, he's, he's got a good point. And he's like, if we have the ability to give her this good life and and erase these memories, why wouldn't we take it? That would Mm -hmm. be ridiculous. Right. Like, it's, it's so selfless. Like you said, it's so selfless. And like, honestly, the first time I watched the episode, I was kind of like, I, I, 17 like fucked me up okay like I was in a bad place after 17 I was like you know what I'm done I'm done I'm not doing this anymore I do not ship this couple I'm I'm over it right but the more I talk about it now and hash it out and think it through the more I'm just like oh my god that was the most selfless thing like holy holy crap like that was a beautiful thing that Adam did Mm -hmm. and so I really hope she does because if you think about it only moving like one or two floors up from where she was abducted that's not a change of scenery no it may not be the exact same room where it happened, but yeah, it's the same apartment building. Like, it's not. It's not enough. Mm-hmm. If it was your only option, it's a decent option, but it's not the best option. This is the best option. This is the best option. And, yeah. like, she's a kid. She should, I mean, if they have the opportunity to give her a yard and, like, her own space, like, they should have that. Like, she should have that. Any kid should have that. Oh, I'm a really big believer percent. in houses for kids, but, yeah. thousand percent. And he's yeah. not expecting anything from it. He's just like, I'm nope. not moving in. I just, he's I like, I can keep, he's like, I'm keeping the undercover apartment. Like I'm not, like you said, I'm not moving in. Like, I don't see how Kim could have any doubts at this point that like, she is the love of his life. I don't know. I just, do you think we get any more Berzik mentions this season? Or are we done? And That's 21 really is question. 22 is all Voight and Nana. That's a really good question. because We know 21 is a Voight and Nana episode. Um, I hope the finale is Voight and Anna just to keep everybody safe. Um, yes, I just I would I would suck if like we end the season with this Berzik ish cliffhanger or cliffhanger for Berzik and like we get no sort of even comment about it until next year. I'm okay. I with think it, that though. would kind of suck. I'm okay with it. Honestly. I mean, if this is what we end with, then yeah, I, this is better than I thought we were going to end up with. I don't know what I thought this episode was going to end with. This is not it, but I'm not complaining. I just, I think it would kind of suck if like, this is the end and we don't get any more Berserk until season 10. You know why I'm okay with it though? It's because all three of them are safe. And the, the biggest True. problem is like, do we move into this house or do we not? Nobody's in mortal peril. Nobody's shot dead and bleeding. And like, you know, True. Not like season eight. Very true. So I'm I'm absolutely okay with it. And then if if 1001 wants to pick up with Burzik and or Burgess and Michaela moving into the house, I am a okay with that. True. Totally fine. So oh, he bought her a house. Like, oh. And not only 
any house, his house. Dad's house because yeah. because that's where he felt safe as a child. And he yep. didn't have a great childhood either. Yep. Like I'm I'm like, oh, you need me, I'll be in the corner dying of feelings. I was yeah. confused after this episode. I couldn't reconcile my feelings. I was just like, I really want to like what happened, but also 17 like hurt a lot. But mm-hmm. the more I talk about it and hash it out, the better I feel about it. Yeah, all the feels. And like, even if the two of them are not okay, at least there's some form of peace right now. And I can work with that. Yeah, same. Yeah. So, any other notes on PD? No, just a, a good episode. This episode was amazing. Yeah, really, really good. Really, really, really good. So, all right. That's about all we've got for tonight. I was going to say today, but tonight. It's Wednesday. Um, yeah, if you haven't already, like, I hope you're in your PJs with a glass of wine and just, like, but also go to bed. Because if you've listened to this entire episode and it's Wednesday night, it's late by now. So Yeah, I was going to say, a lot of people I know listen, like, Thursday morning because it, it's late. Especially if you're on East Coast and it ends at 11. Yeah. I mean, it's, like, probably 1.30 right now. Like, why are you yeah. still up? If you're still up and it's East Coast, honey, go to sleep. It's okay. Go to sleep. Yeah. Go to sleep. <laughs> but that's about all we've got. So uh, as usual, you guys know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, meet us at Molly's right across the board. Don't sleep on our tea Public store, guys. We got lots of cool stuff. We really start Hakami merch. We've got more ideas, as you can tell. Really, the merch just goes up as fast as I can, like, crank it out and not hate what I produce. So, yeah. Um, if you like the show, which we really hope you do, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to us. We would greatly appreciate that. Uh, follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at Gina watches TV, Bryna. I'm at Bryna K 13. As long as there's new episodes of the show, there's new episodes of the pod. So you get new episodes next week and the week after, and then, and then the week after, cause we'll be at ATX. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's coming. So in the meantime, everybody have a great weekend and or a great rest of the week, really, because you're going to hear from us on Wednesday and we will see you guys next week. Bye.